remember how to do this. <laughs> I don't know if I, I do. No, I feel so rusty and like, we, like not weird, but like, yeah, I feel very out of practice. <laughs> For sure. It's very different. Haven't done this in like two and a half weeks because we yeah. had like lots of wedding stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're back at it in season 10 and we're going to release our spooky episode during the first week of November. Yes, which will be fitting because I feel like there's a little bit of like Halloween hangover and you're like, I'm not quite done with it. Um, I got a little drunk on Sunday and I was like crying on my porch because I didn't want to like it to be over <laughs> you don't want fall to and wedding stuff to be done it was yeah it was like the culmination of everything and Casey was literally like you have to come inside like and yeah. I was like no there might be one more trick-or-treater and he goes Katie it's 11 p.m like no there's not there's no more coming <laughs> that's so funny um but yeah but it was a whirlwind couple of weeks we missed you guys we, we missed, missed you too oh my gosh we, we're used to seeing each other two to three times yeah. a week on like an average week. Yeah. And then I just feel like I haven't been getting my like alley fix. It's, it's I mean, it's a really upsetting. important thing. I know you're going through withdrawal. It's really hard. You'll get yeah. back this week. Yes. I'm going to see you so many yes, times. Yes. It'll be perfect. But we're not here to talk about our relationship. <laughs> no. Which I did post my toast on Patreon. <laughs> I love that. Uh, we're here to talk about her street. On the road. With Katie and Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. And we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time. And we're not historians. No. Although we're three years deep. Yes. Three years deep of Googling and messing up and mispronouncing and... (laughs) trying our best it's really i I think we deserve a medal a three-year medal award i think so um so but yeah we're gonna be on a fun ride Allie's gonna tell a story and serve me a cocktail i'm gonna tell a story and serve Allie a cocktail we're gonna have a good time we might be slurring our words by the end but stick with it and you'll get some really good information (laughs) i I cannot wait (laughs) um but Hopefully you're busy, right? You're busy right now laying out your calendar, looking at your plan for November and December because you've got to figure out what weekends you're doing, what, Mm -hmm. when you're going to order your presents, mail your cards, get your tree, put up the menorah, whatever you have to do, you're figuring it out right now. Yep. So you don't have time to stop and Google these women to find out what they look like. So we're going to describe them for you. We're going to get a little physical, physical. Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? First off, that felt good. It did feel good. I haven't <laughs> sang that song in weeks. Absurd. I am doing Black Widow or <laughs> Natasha Romanoff, who is traditionally depicted with shoulder-length red hair and a skin-tight black jumpsuit. However, her name has not always been Natasha, and she's not always looked like that. Oh, okay. During her first appearance in Marvel Comics, her name was Claire, and she had blonde hair and wore, like, sexy evening outfits with, like, a widow veil. You know, that, like, half mesh thing over her face. Uh Um, And then later on, she had, like, dark black hair 
um, and still was in like the evening clothes. But most recently, though, she was played by the beautiful Scarlett Johansson. And because that's the only live action version we have of Black Widow, she's pretty much synonymous with the character. Oh, yeah. So just picture Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) (laughs) And that is what Black Widow looks like. That's perfect. So I am doing Evelyn Dick. Uh, Evelyn was a gorgeous woman in her 20s with porcelain skin, perfect pink lips, and raven black hair. She wore very nice clothes. Her favorite accessories were hats, pearls, and fur coats. And sometimes she would paint a small mole on her upper cheek just to stand out from the crowd. She wore a dark lipstick in her later years, um, an eyeliner, which circled her dark almond shaped eyes that were sometimes beautiful, but other times exposed just how insane she was. <laughs> oh, I'm so ready. And that's what she looked like. <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since we've done a killer. Is she a yes. killer? Yes. She okay. Is. I don't know yeah. anything She's about She's the her. Black Widow of Canada. Okay. <laughs> So it's what I assumed that she was some sort of killer. Just hit yes. The okay. Yes. Do you want to know what you're drinking? I do. So this drink is called Bad Reputation. Okay. And um, Natasha is uh, famously from Russia, so I wanted to make like a black, wi- a, like a black Russian or a white Russian, but I wanted to make it red, so Ooh, it's like I a black widow. That. So this has typical white Russian ingredients. It's got vodka and Kahlua and heavy cream that you pour over top. But then it also has lemon juice and muddled blackberries and cranberry juice and simple syrup. So it's like a reddish, it's a black white Russian with a reddish tint. Mm. I love it. Well, cheers. Cheers. Mmm. It tastes like, like dessert. Like, it tastes like a raspberry chocolate cake with coffee served on the side. Yeah. It's very, very good. <laughs> it's what it tastes like. It's like red velvety a bit. Yes, it is. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I didn't mm. know what to expect by throwing cranberry and lemon juice in a white Russian. And coffee? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess coffee's already in there. Sometimes but, it is. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting. Definitely. Yeah. I like it. It tastes, yeah. tastes like a raspberry dessert, honestly. I'll take it. Yeah. Whatever. It'll get, get my fix in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, for a very long time, we've only covered a couple of women in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. We did Storm, which people typically separate in their brains, the X-Men from Marvel, even though they do interact a lot in the comic books. And we did Kamala Khan back Mm -hmm. in like season one as the new Captain Marvel. But other than that, it's been mostly DC characters. So we have gotten a lot of begs for the Scarlet Witch and for Black Widow and, you know, also Carol Danvers. So, like, we're trying to fulfill a dream here yes. by doing Black Widow. So can you tell me what you know about Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow? Okay, so I don't know much. I'm not an Avengers person. I only ever saw one of the movies. Oh, um, well, you're in for a treat. And it was a while ago. <laughs> a treat. Um, I did see... WandaVision so I did watch that right um and but as far as the Black Widow goes I know that Scarlett Johansson plays her I know that she's Russian and I want to say that like she was supposed to be bad but then like she joined the Avengers but I feel like some people don't trust her but that's Mm. just from like an outside observer okay um I don't know if that's true 
I know that her movie just came out and it has Florence Pugh in it, who is one of my favorites, and it looked so good. It is so good. And I haven't seen it yet, but it's one of the ones that I am actually interested in watching. It's it's interesting as a standalone mm-hmm. for sure, but there's definitely comments that you need to have seen the other movies to get, but it won't take away from but the movie. But it won't movie. ruin the movie. Okay. Yeah, so... Because I um, knew that with WandaVision, too. Right. They did it a lot with WandaVision because what's happening is right now, and we'll do the Marvel um, Marvel Cinematic Universe or MCU version of her towards the end of this. What I'm going to do is start by talking about um, Natasha in the comic books and okay. kind of her storylines there. And I'm going to keep that part kind of short because... Now that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of rewritten all those characters and novice fans like you have Mm -hmm. seen those movies, that really is their story right now. Yeah. And because those movies, phases one, two, and three, total up to over 20 hours worth of film, um, just the ones that have Natasha in them, what you're talking about is like her actual story has now been retconned and this Mm -hmm. is what it is. Okay. So we'll do that. Major spoilers if yeah. you haven't seen the Avengers movies and also be prepared for it to sound like a soap opera because they're all in each other's movies. Yeah. There's no removing any of them from the story. So it's like I might be talking about Hawkeye and then I'm talking about Falcon and then I'm talking about, you know, Captain America. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fine. <laughs> okay. So we're here to talk about Marvel today. Um, but by the time... This character was developed. Black Widow was already a word or phrase synonymous with two things. One, a spider, Mm -hmm. a dangerous poisonous spider, who actually gets a pretty bad rap. I looked that up because I was interested for this episode. Really? Yeah. They, um, most people won't die from their bite. They might get a little sick or sore, but only if you have like an immunodeficiency or like you're really young or really old. And honestly, they're super shy spiders. So they will hide from you more than they will like attack. Oh, interesting. And they got the name because they typically kill the male after they mate. But the male comes onto their web and, like, rips their web up (gasps) and then ties, like, some of the web around the female spider and, like, in essence, rapes her. And then she kills him. Oh, my gosh. Well, good for her. Yeah, seriously. She can kill whoever she wants at that point. (laughs) So, anyway, I was, like, looking it up because I was interested to why Black Widow then became the name of a woman who kills. Yeah. Which is, like, typically the moniker for a single female who kills people. Or a woman who was married and killed her husband. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so that's that. This info came from Comic Storian and also the Marvel website. Also, big shout out to Disney Plus for housing all of the MCU. Um, and a big shout out to Stan Lee, Don Rico, and Don Heck, who created the Black Widow in comic books. One thing that's really hard about Black Widow is that she doesn't ever really have a solo comic situation. This movie is like one of her first big solo things that just came out. Her story is always intertwined with people, so we mostly learn about her in flashbacks. So piecing together her story was very difficult and like, okay, well, in Spider-Man number six, they had a flashback to 1941. So I have to put that first in the story versus later. Right. So her first appearance, actually her name's not Natasha. It's Claire Voyant. 
Oh, that's cute. A chicken <laughs> read people's eyes. So clairvoyant showed up in Mystic Comics number four in 1940, over 20 years before Natasha. Claire was actually a very violent anti-hero. She killed really bad people and delivered their souls to Satan. Now, obviously, we can see why when America went through their purity phase, they got rid of this character. Nobody wants anybody delivering souls to Satan. No, definitely not. No, they were not. <laughs> would they wouldn't curious. even let Betty Boot be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Not going like, to let somebody deliver souls to Satan. So... Then in 1964, as Natasha, she shows up wearing a black veil and her evening wear. Um, but she's off. This is in The Amazing Spider-Man number six. So it's interesting that they place her originally in Spider-Man because Black right. Widow, it oh. kind of seems like a Superman, Supergirl type thing. Right. I didn't even think about that. That like, yeah, her name is after a spider, so she would be in Spider-Man. Right. And I he's al- Marvel. I also forget that he's Marvel. Mm-hmm. The whole thing really gets conflated. <laughs> the blue and red throws me off because he seems so Superman, which is DC. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. So, uh, good one. <laughs> so, um, okay. So then... That is when she gets her red hair and her black jumpsuit when she's in Spider-Man, which makes sense because he's also wearing a jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. Natasha Romanoff in the comics was born in the Soviet Union. Her parentage is unknown as she was orphaned at a young age and was rescued by a a man named Ivan Petrovich. Her character was written in the 1960s post the golden age of the comics, but it hearkened back to the golden age because this man, Ivan... Steve Rogers, who's Captain America, and Logan, Wolverine, Mm -hmm. saved her from the Nazis. So her story is back in that World War II era. Right, because they were kind of, like, trying to make it, like, the trifecta of, like, the good guys. You know, it was, like, the Canadian and the American and and the whatever. Ivan was, like, a defector from Russia. Russia. Okay. Yeah, so they're saving her from the Nazis who are, like, in Germany. And then Ivan is going to look after her and train her in Russia. But then, as we know, America and Russia go into the Cold War after mm. World War II. So now Russia be- becomes the bad guys, and she's Russian. So we got to kind of keep her at arm's length. As she grew older, Natasha's talent caught the attention of the KGB, and she was recruited into their ranks. Um, and, you know, she goes through this program like called the it's in the red room and that's where she's supposed to get her black widow status it's like a degree like a ninja degree almost okay so are the black widows like a group of women initially and she's one of them so there are other women who are black widows from the newest movies but okay it seemed to me that back at this point there was one black widow at, at a time and it was like the best one of Ooh, these okay. girls in the red room now okay. it's like oh they're a black widow okay they have the spy assassin training gotcha. um so this location is where they're they're taking young girls from their family i'm under the impression that she was stolen from her family Mm -hmm. um even though it says orphaned um and they're trying to make these girls into sleeper agents so they're training them they're experimenting on them which is super dangerous natasha was enhanced while she was here with the super soldier serum which is also what was given to captain america although it doesn't give her super human ability necessarily like him she does have Extra strength, extra stamina, resistance to disease, and it slows down her aging. 
But Natasha does not remember this. Okay. She thinks she was training as a ballerina in Russia. Oh, no. So her background, her memories have been conflated. Mm-hmm. They're not, like, real. So all of her child whereabouts, she's not sure of. Um, her extensive training in the Red Room made her into a warrior. She was great at martial arts, judo, karate, boxing, gymnastics, aerobics. Her fighting skills are augmented by the serum, like I said. But she isn't going to live forever like Captain America is. She has a lot of gadgets in her skin-tight black bodysuit, which is made of Kevlar. She has two bracelets that can fire a widow's bite, which is a high-frequency electrostatic bolt that can go the range of 20 feet. Um, much like Spider-Man, she does, does have that, like, sticky substance on her gloves to, like, scale walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's got four pounds of TNT in her belt. Wow. You know, just in case you want to blow something up. (laughs) And is she still clairvoyant? I mean, not like the name, but like, okay. She is not clairvoyant anymore. Okay. But her brain is always going to be really important. It has been, the KGB has destroyed her like mental ability. Okay. Like, and we'll kind of talk about what they did to her in the experiments. Okay. Because that's true in both the movies and the comics. Mm Mm-hmm. Natasha is one of the best spies and assassins in the world. She speaks Russian, English, French, Mandarin, and more. She is an excellent shot, like a sniper, and experienced with a variety of weapons. As her Black Widow training and missions progress, she encounters and romances many different famous characters from around the world. And for a super spy who travels by herself, she has quite a few friends. It's actually really sweet how many people will come to help her on a regular basis. People really like Natasha, and she generally gets along with people. Um, The training, though, really did scar her. She has reoccurring dreams. She was sterilized during the training, which is also true in the movies, that it is um, a waste of a spy if they get pregnant. So they take away that opportunity. Um, She also knows that she has a long kill list of innocent victims, but doesn't know who they are. So she grieves over this a lot and has these dreams or flashbacks that make her feel terrible about Mm -hmm. the innocent people she's killed and that she did not want to kill. But the Russian government starts to get scared of these girls because they keep training all these, like, super assassin females. So to prevent that, they create a special pheromone spray (laughs) that men can wear that um, make it so that you can't physically harm that person. So, like, if Liza was a man and I'm trying to – my daughter Liza's sitting next to me. If she was a man and she had the spray on and I went to punch her in the face, I couldn't do it. Okay. Like, like in, like, a force field. Yeah, like, I physically would not be able to do it. (laughs) Um. But an interesting thing about Black Widow in the comics is she is actually a widow. There was an arranged marriage by the KGB to this guy named Alexi, and they got married. And even though it was arranged, they really did fall in love. And they eventually think that the two of them together are too powerful, so they take him away, tell her he's dead, and they turn him into the Red Guardian, which is the Russian version of Captain America. Oh, interesting. But she doesn't know that he's still alive. Okay. She also has a relationship with James Buchanan Barnes, or as everybody knows him, Bucky, or as everybody also knows him, Winter Soldier. (laughs) I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. Bucky is Captain America's best friend. They went into World War II together, but he got taken by the Russians and had his brain um like scrambled kind of like natasha so that's why they get along because they both have this long list of people they killed even though they didn't want to right 
Um, and in the movies, even Bucky killed um, the Starks, Tony Stark's parents. Oh. So it's like a big controversy. That, okay. This is, guys, this is, <laughs> this, this is, is deep. It is so <laughs> deep. And like, I'm only scratching the surface with these details. Yeah. It's, it's rough. So through the years, some of the people that she has a relationship with, and she, she like ends up going to work for the Avengers. She, and that's because of Bucky. They kind of leave together. They decide we're done and her and the Winter Soldier, they're sent off to kill Iron Man, but they keep failing and they're like, why are we trying to kill Iron Man? Like, I don't understand. Right. Um, so they become Avengers and then S.H.I.E.L.D. is, S.H.I.E.L.D. is the organization that is in the United States that is kind of controlling, not totally controlling the Avengers, but dealing with the Avengers initiative. So she also is technically an agent for shield in the long run. She has a relationship with, uh, a, uh, like romantic relationship in the comic books with Clint, who is Hawkeye, with Matt Murdock, who is Daredevil, with Hercules, who is not in any of the movies, or it <laughs> doesn't matter, and with Steve Rogers, who's Captain America, and of course with Tony Stark, who's Iron Man. I'm, wow. I know. I'm really interested, though, in her relationship with daredevil because they like pick up and leave the east coast and like go to california wow and she's just like let's hang in california uh, <laughs> and daredevil i'm pretty sure is blind yeah i'm remembering correctly uh-huh. and then they find out they're not really a good couple so she just kind of stays in california and becomes a fashion designer for a bit what she's just like i this is just what i'm gonna do now she was kind of trying to get away from like the russian spy thing okay but of course they have a hit out for her because they know that their m- most talented spy is out and about um, but she ends up staying in Cali and works with this group called the champions, which is angel, Iceman, vigilante, ghost rider, and Hercules. But she leaves them eventually and comes back. <laughs> Hawkeye is, um, a relationship that's important in the comics, more important in the movies. So when we get to the movies, we'll talk about it more, but he was also working for a Russian soldier and he's also trying to get Iron Man and they, in the comics have a romantic relationship that turns into like a best friendship, which is super important. Um, and then Nick Fury, who's in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., gets a hold of her, and he learns how the Russians controlled her mind. So he's like, now I'm going to control her mind and make her fight for the side of good, which is still fucked up. Uh, yeah, it's like, just let her decide to do it on her own. It sounds like she would. Yeah, it, she really was making good decisions. Around this time, she also finds out that her husband, Alexi, was not dead, but that um, then they, her and the Avengers have to face him, and then they actually kill him. So mm. she has to deal with him dying two times. Um, and then also in the comics, she's got an unimportant stray cat that she feeds. And <laughs> I just think them giving <laughs> a sterile woman a cat, like yeah. making her like a cat lady like they did yeah. with Selena Kyle. It's like you didn't need to do that. No. That was a choice. <laughs> you don't. Also, like, can women ever have dogs in comics? Can we please? <laughs> Maybe dogs are too needy for them to be traveling all over the world. You know, like cats can fend for themselves. I guess. You can give them like a teacup poodle. It could come along. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could pack it up. Put it in her belt with the TNT. <laughs> yeah. They're allowed on the subway in New York City they can come into an Avengers fight yeah one reason it took so long to get a single Black Widow movie or comic is because she's kind of a tag-along hero she when she's with Spider-Man she's fighting Venom when Mm -hmm. she's with Iron Man she's fighting his people when she's with Captain America she's fighting his people so she doesn't really have any of her own villains except for when she goes after the KGB and the people who are in charge of the Red Room that's okay. the only time she's fighting people on the side. 
her biggest enemy in all the comics is herself. Mm. She's tortured by guilt and she's tortured by what she's done. So when we see her and when we see her flashbacks, it's always her fighting with herself. So in 2004, they first thought about doing a solo movie for Black Widow. They wanted to ride the fame of female leads like in Tomb Raider and like in Kill Bill. But then a whole bunch of female movies came out like Charlie's Angels and stuff like that. And they kind of bombed. And um, the Charlie's market- Angels bombed? No, though, just all these female movies. Oh, okay. It. Like, yeah. It was a whole bunch of female leads. A whole bunch of them start bombing. A couple of them did really well. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, the market's oversaturated. We're not going to do a Black Widow right now. Right. So they put it off. Um, MCU, like I said, has released, you know, tons and tons of movies. And she's, like I said, in more than 20 hours of them. So what I'm going to do is break this down the best we can. (laughs) For people who don't know about Marvel, they're currently in phase four slash five of what they're doing. Everything has come out in phases. And, like, phase one was the first chunk of movies. And it was, like, introducing all the characters. Here's Iron Man. Here's Captain America. Here's the Hulk, whatever. And then there's phase two where they start to all like meet and like work in conjunction. And then phase three is when there's like infinity war and end game where there's like these big things. And now we're in phase four, which is post the movies. That's the WandaVision, the Hawkeye show, like all the stuff coming out. So they're doing all shows. Kind of. They have some movies that are interwoven with the shows. So now the movies introduce the show almost. So the last scene or the post credit scene in Black Widow was supposed to introduce the Hawkeye show. They're okay. And like, so every post credit scene tells you what's supposed to happen next. Okay. And they've been doing that since all the way the first Iron Man. So, you know, we get to the post something and it has something about Wanda mourning for Vision and then bam, WandaVision's next. And they have, like, a schedule of how they want to do it. So we're in phase four. So would you recommend people watch the movies and how they were released? Released order. Okay, released order. People who do it in chronological order are absurd. (laughs) I don't know how you would. Yeah. it, there is, they do have it set up online so you can watch it in chronological, chronological order. And I think if you're watching it with your children and you've never seen them, it might be easier to explain. Okay. Like, okay, here's what happened first. Here's what happened next. But watching them in the intended order of the artist is how I would suggest doing it. Okay. Like go online and find the release order because okay. then it's like, okay, now I see where Ant-Man is while all this is happening. Now I see where, you know, it's just a lot. Guardian okay. of the galaxy, Captain America. It's crazy. <laughs> Every Katie. time you mention someone else, I'm like, that's right. They're in this. <laughs> it's, it's everyone you've ever heard of <laughs> is in this franchise. I also love that. Like, I think I heard once that there's like a running scene in Avengers Endgame where they just had to like fill everyone like months apart because they couldn't get them all <laughs> on the same schedule you can't i mean they're the most famous they're the most famous people in the world and trying to put them all in one movie it's like the french dispatch or something yeah not to mention um black panther only told like the director that he was dying of cancer so he can only show up on set like sometimes oh, while he's right. getting treated Ugh. no but none of them knew god that's so sad yeah so and he's like a big part of the last movie. I like it. I was like, why? This is crazy. Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. For every Marvel movie, it's gonna start. I'm gonna follow, I'm trying to follow the movies she was in and her important parts, but obviously sometimes things will get interwoven. So I'm starting with the most recent movie, the Black Widow movie, 
first because mm-hmm. it starts in her childhood. It gives okay. us a really good flashback to her childhood right at the beginning. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, now I get it. So it starts in 19. She was born in 1984. So she's two years older than me. She's living with a fake family in Ohio. A fake family. The whole family is Russian spies. The parents and the two sisters. Okay. She's been to the Red Room once. The little sister never has. And both the parents, they're all on this recon mission in America as Soviet Union spies. Okay. To her and her little sister, Yelena, um, it seems kind of real. You know, they're going through the motions. The father in this one is Alexei, which is interesting because that's her husband in the comic books. Oh. So the Red Guardian is posing as her dad. They do the only love interest Scarlett Johansson gets in these movies is the Hulk, like the big green Hulk smash. All the other ones. Really? Yeah. All the other ones that she is. So Mark Ruffalo and Scarlett <laughs> Johansson forever. Um, all the other ones that she had relationships with, she's just friends with them, which I okay. actually really like. I like that a lot. She's not just like out and about dating everybody, mm-hmm. especially Hawkeye. Her and Hawkeye are best friends in all these movies. And yeah. it's so cute. Okay. So, um, they're in Ohio, they're living there and we're like couple opening scenes. The kids are playing together. The dad comes in and he's like, we gotta go. And the mom's like, how long do we have? No time. Get up, get in the car. They're running from the FBI, the American FBI found out there's Russian spies. They're getting on a hidden plane and flying to Cuba, which let's not forget Russia had a base in Cuba at the time. Hence the Russian missile crisis, Cuban missile crisis during the JFK presidency. So they fly to Cuba. They think their mom's dying. Their dad's just like, see a girl's going back to the red room. And they're like, you just raised us for a couple of years. And now you're oh bailing gosh. on us. And they're just crying. And it's terrible. And um, Natasha knows she's going back. She's 11 years old. It's 1995. Um, but she was the star pupil mm-hmm. of the red room, earning her the Black Widow title, like we talked about during the comic books. Of course, this will lead her to become an amazing assassin and become sterilized, which later on in the films, she's really sad and tells Bruce Banner about. But they're having a really personal conversation about their relationship. And he's like, I don't ever want to be in a romantic relationship because I don't know what genes I can pass on to someone. And she's like, you don't have to worry about that with me because I can't get pregnant. That's good in a weird way. Yeah. In a really (laughs) depressing way. It's really, it's it's a really like emotional, like conversation. I remember watching it being like, oh, this is gut wrenching. But it was interesting that that was part of their connection. Yeah. Um, And also like, Bucky or Winter Soldier, he can't. He couldn't control himself when he was in his Green Hulk mode. So, like, yeah. he feels bad too about stuff he's done that he didn't want to do. So, she is this great assassin. So she catches the eye of Shield, you know, head guy Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson. He sends Hawkeye to kill her, but instead, instead he ends up recruiting her. She and Hawkeye become the very best of friends, so much so that she is the only person that knows about his secret family. He has a wife and kids. What? And he just, like, doesn't tell anybody because he doesn't want them to go after them. Ugh. So there's this beautiful scene in one of the later movies where he walks into his house and they're like, did you bring Auntie Nat? And like, he's like, yeah. And like, she walks through the door and like runs up and hugs the kids. And you can tell it's really, really, really adorable. And then, um, obviously later we'll talk about what happens with his family, which is a tragedy. Okay. 
The two have many missions together, including one in Budapest, which they reference a lot in the original Marvel movies, but they took us there in the Black Widow movie. Budapest is where she originally went after the guy who was in charge of the Red Room. Okay. And she's about to blow up his office, and his daughter walks in, and she decides his daughter's collateral damage and blows up the room anyway. (gasps) And then her and Hawkeye had to, like, hide in this vent above a ceiling for 10 days or something like that. But she carries around the guilt of killing this little girl, like, through all of this. So that's kind of, like, her early story. From 2004 to 2010, she's 20 to 26 years old and is going by Natalie Rushman. She's a model who's been on the covers of magazines. This is like her undercover for Mm -hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. in Italy, the U.S., and France. By 2009, she's so trusted with her undercover work by S.H.I.E.L.D. that they get her to go and spy on Tony Stark because they want Tony Stark to be the first member in the Avengers initiative. Maybe not the first member. Like, Captain America's, like, frozen at some point at that bottom of a lake. But Tony Stark, they're like, go, become his personal assistant, and see if he's a good enough guy to do this. So the first time we see her in any of the Avengers movies is in Iron Man 2. She meets him, becomes a personal assistant, is working alongside. Um, This movie, Iron Man had one of his suits stolen, and he's really under distress because they're copying it on the other side of the world. And we first see her just kind of walk around the office as kind of like a sexy secretary. But then by the end of the movie, she's like kicking ass and Mm -hmm. Iron Man's like, well, you're fired. (laughs) Like you lied (laughs) to me. You're fired. And she's like, you can't fire me. I'm from shield. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's the greatest. So all, uh, at age 28 in 2012, this is after Tony Stark signs onto shield. Loki steals the Tesseract. Which, again, Thor's connected with all of this, all the Thor movies. So Loki steals the Tesseract, so they've got to get the crew together, which means, hey, you go get the Hulk. And this is the first time we see the Hulk since the movie The Hulk. She has to go get him. He doesn't want to do it because he hates turning into the green guy. And she's Mm -hmm. like, we don't want you for your green guyness. We just want you for your big Bruce Banner brain. (laughs) So come on, Doc, and, like, gets him on board to come back. And that's when the bond really starts to form between them. They go to capture Loki, and they keep interrogating Loki, but he won't give anything up. So she interrogates him and does this fake crying thing and breaks down, and he gives into it. And um, tells her what his plan is, which is to get Bruce Banner to turn into the green guy to distract everybody so he can steal the Tesseract. And then she's like, ha-ha, gotcha. I wasn't really crying. And then goes out (laughs) and uh, this is what happens, Katie. I'm not lying. I'm sure my siblings who are really in the MC universe are hating this. Um, So she goes out. Hulk turns into a green guy. She has to, like, lull him back to peacefulness. She's the only one that can do that, who can, like, get him to calm back down. But she doesn't have the time. So he, like, breaks two of her ribs while they're fighting. Mm. Then turn around. Your best friend Hawkeye's there. But, oh, he's been brainwashed. And he's also trying to kill you. So now you're fighting the guy you kind of like and your best friend all at the same time while not killing them. Big problem. Um, So then they get that under control. And they're like, oh, Loki let a whole bunch of aliens loose in New York. Let's go fix that situation. This is all the same movie by the way, just so we're all aware. Um, So they go up to New York. Now, in this universe, the movie universe, she is just a human. 
Her okay. aging has not been slowed. She's just a great spy fighter martial artist. Um, she goes up. They kill a whole bunch of scary monsters that are coming from the sky. But this is interesting because they did a great job showing backlash in the Marvel Universe because they destroy New York City in this battle. And they get in trouble for it. Yeah, they I, get in trouble. They should. They like yeah. go to prison and stuff. <laughs> like the characters are constantly getting put on ankle bracelets and like being controlled and being interrogated. So after this battle, there's a whole bunch of crap going on where the superheroes are in trouble. And that's going to eventually lead us up to the Civil War movie. But we're not there yet. <laughs> She's 30 years old. It's 2014. Natasha and Steve, Steve Rogers start running missions together. She's like the second in command to Captain America, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Because I don't think we often think of her like that. We kind of think of her as this like background character that's like sexy, but she's not. Yeah. Well, she is, but she's also not. <laughs> but S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes compromised, and she's really upset about it. Um, and her and Captain America actually become fugitives and have to go on the run because S.H.I.E.L.D. was taken by Hydra, which is, like, the bad company. Um, but in order to stop it, she has to release all the information that S.H.I.E.L.D. ever has, which means she's giving up her entire life as a spy. Uh. And she's giving up all the bad stuff she's ever done. So, like, at the very end of the movie, she has to decide to release the data. And then you see her sitting at one of those, like, Congress interrogations where yeah. there's, like, she's got the microphone and everybody's sitting in a circle asking yeah. her questions. And it's just, like, flash, flash, flash. And you just feel so bad for her because she yeah. was doing the right thing to save literally all of humanity. Right. And she's the one getting punished for it. Mm. Um, so then she goes rogue for a bit in Winter Soldier, um, because she can't lie about her past anymore. At 31 in 2015, she spends most of the movie of Ultron calming down the Hulk. She's the only one who can do it and she's in charge of him. This is when they have the age of Ultron, I think is her best story arc. This is when they have the personal conversation about not being able to have kids. Now they're at this point where there's a big fight, and she's supposed to calm the Hulk down, but this is when Wanda from WandaVision still a bad guy. So WandaVision puts a vision in her head uh, from being in the wed red room, and then she has an anxiety attack, and she can't calm down the Hulk. It's a whole situation <laughs> with her and Wanda. They end up being fine. Um, and friends. Or at least Avengers together. Um, so she gets captured, and the, the Avengers come to save her. But... Bruce Banner changes into the Hulk and then runs off mm. on stealth mode. And they don't know where he is for like mm. the next movie or so, because he's just so ashamed that he can't yeah. get control of himself. I really, really enjoy her in Ultron because you can tell they tried to give her a story arc because Marvel was catching a lot of heat for her being a sexy background character. Yeah. Um, and she, Scarlett Johansson is great at it in interviews. I have some quotes from her later. Um, this is the movie. Like I said, we learned how she got sterilized. We see her with Hawkeye's kids a lot. We see her help Captain America. We see her fall in love with Bruce Banner. Like things are really personal. In 2016, at age 32, she's on a mission with the Avengers, uh, where an accidental bomb detonates and kills innocent civilians. This is how we start Captain America Civil War and the crux of like when we're switching into phase three. Mm -hmm. Um, the Sokovia Accords are being passed, which pretty much means you have to register as a superhero. The Iron Man and Captain America disagree on whether or not people should have to register. She sides with Iron Man. Mm -hmm. 
the other people are siding with Captain America. So there's a couple people who side with both. And now you have two Avengers teams fighting against one another. Mm. This is also when we find out that Bucky, who is Captain America's best friend, killed the Stark parents. So now Tony is extra mad at Captain America. So even though all this is happening, she still shows up at um, Peggy's funeral, which is Captain America's lover from the 1940s who Mm -hmm. died because she was like 70 and he's still like 10. Mm -hmm. So she's still showing her compassionate side, even though she is not on his team in terms of the Sokovia Accords. But all the, by the end of the movie, all the superheroes fight in an airport. Hawkeye's on the other tie, other side, but they are going easy on each other and like telling jokes back and forth yeah. as they're fighting, which is ridiculous. Cause you know, <laughs> you know how movies are, yeah. but then she sees Captain America and Bucky or winter soldier. And she lets them get away. And black Panther is pissed at yeah. her. And she's like, I told you I'd help you find them. Not that I'd help you capture them. Yeah. Not that I'd help you fight them. Just, I would tell you where they are and you could do what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. But this made her a fugitive mm-hmm. because Bucky was a fugitive and Captain America is like, these people had committed crimes. They had blown some people up. So now she is on the run. And this is when the, her black widow movie takes place when she's on a run by herself. So age 33, most of the new movies happening. She's living in a trailer in the woods in like the middle of Norway or something. She gets attacked by a robot person who wants some red dust. That's an antidote to the black widow brainwashing. So there's this red dust where if you're a black widow, that's trained and you explode it, it like helps you your brainwashing go away. So she, people are trying to get this from her. She goes to find her sister, her father, and her mother who got taken away in the beginning of the movie. And together they go to try to go after the guy in the red room. And then she finds out burr, 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 the robot person is the girl she thought she killed at the beginning. Mm. But she's alive <laughs> and in robot form. <laughs> Guilt <laughs> gone. That's good. Yeah. At age 34 in 2018, during her time on the run, she bleaches her hair. And this is where we get blonde Scarlett Johansson because she got to be undercover, even though everybody in the world knows what she looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, the superheroes start to work together again and Natasha's reunited with Steve and Bruce and they want to keep um, Vision's mind stone from Thanos because let's remember now we're all concerned that Thanos is going after all the infinity stones because he wants to destroy the world. Okay. Did you know this part of all this? I've seen the gloves. Okay. So there's five stones and if he gets them all his goal is to snap his fingers and 50% of the population on earth goes away because he says there's an overpopulation problem and it'll solve all humanity's problems. If 50% of the world disappears. Um, so they go to try to fight him. Um, you know, Wanda's there, they're in Wakanda, all the Avengers are fighting. They're doing their very best and the Avengers fucking lose. And he snaps his fingers and half of the population of earth disappears. Mm. And this is where we take place in like the end half of the movies where half of all of the family members and friends are gone. And it's really sad. There's a scene at the beginning of Endgame where Hawkeye is like just trying to have some hot dogs with his family and his wife and kids disappear. Mm. God, that's so sad. It is. And like, you know, Ant-Man is like stuck in another realm while this is happening, but he pops back and everybody's been gone for five years. And Mm -hmm. he's like, where's everybody been? So in these five years of 50% of the population being gone, which is called the blip, she is leading the Avengers. She's like entirely in charge. And I mean, Thor, who's a literal God went to Norway and got fat and played video games because he was so (laughs) depressed. Like, 
Come on, yeah. help her out. What a ridiculous person. So anyway, Steve tells her to move on, get away from the Avengers. We have to move on. We're never going to get these people back. And she's like, that's ridiculous. I had nothing before the Avengers. This is it. This was my family. Um, and then they're like, oh, you know what? Ant-Man's here. And he said that he was stuck in this other realm and he thinks he can figure out somebody who can fix time travel. And they go to Tony Stark and he's like, I'm absolutely not helping because I'm now happily married to Gwyneth Paltrow and we have a daughter and I don't want to travel back in time and lose my family and daughter. But then he decides, oh, I will help. So because he's Iron Man, uh, they go back in time. Stark's upset because he has a kid, like I said. But what happens is. They all have to go because now they know where the Infinity Stones are. They have to go get them where Thanos got them before he got them. Okay. So all the different Avengers are in a different spot. Um, and this is where I have to back up to Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Okay. So I swear I'm always done. So <laughs> Chris Pratt, <laughs> love interest, is Gamora or the green girl with the red hair. So... She's Thanos' daughter. Oh. Yes. Okay. Crazy twist. Yeah. Told you so, Bobbery. So to get the soul stone, you have to go with someone you love and sacrifice them. Oh, my God. And she doesn't know this is happening. So Thanos and Chris Pratt's love interest, Gamora, he takes his daughter, goes to get the soul stone, and, like, throws her off the cliff and kills her. To get the soul stone, which is like, oh, he actually loved his daughter. But also, like, why the hell did you kill your daughter? Right. <laughs> Crazy. So she is one of the people that can never come back. That's an interesting thing about the movies. If you died because you died, it's over. If you died in the finger snap, okay. you could come back. Okay. So Gamora is gone. Chris Pratt, devastated. So sad. And sad because he was, like, one of the comic reliefs of all these movies. Yeah. So... Nobody else in the Avengers knows that this is how you get the Soul Stone. Oh. But when they're all splitting up, they're like, Hawkeye, Black Widow, go get the Soul Stone. And they're best friends. <sighs> so they do love each other. They get there. And what they know is that if they fail, they Thanos wins again. Yeah. And that there's nothing they can do. Um, so they get there. The red demon face guy is like, you have to sacrifice someone you love. There's a big dramatic fight about who should die. Um, and Natasha wins this fight oh. and sacrifices herself to bring 50% of the people back to earth. Now, there was some controversy about this because of the way it was done. Some people felt that the way it was said was you have a wife and kids, like, you have something to live for. Right. And, like, single people don't fucking matter. Right. <laughs> I'm single. It's just me and Bruce. We don't have kids. I can never have babies. Like, throw myself off a cliff. Yeah. So it was really hard because I do think that unchildrened women sometimes get their time and, like, their importance in society, like, undercut. Yeah. No, it's definitely true. Like, I feel yeah. like it happens all the time. It's, like, the whole, um, you know, stereotype of, like, childless people like childless women specifically in like workplaces always get asked to do more right and to like you know do, do the extra shift work late right exactly you know and it's like i don't know it's yeah i totally get that yeah <laughs> yeah it's frustrating it is it is frustrating so i can see why it came off really bad in the movie like i didn't necessarily like read it like that i read it as like their best friends and she also yeah. loves his wife and kids 
Right. That's a better way to see it. You yeah. Know, of like, she loves them, so she wouldn't want them to be without a right. partner and a father. Exactly. And yeah. she's like, you know, if they come back, if they save everybody and they come back from the blip and I'm there and Hawkeye's not, how right. would, I would hate myself. Right. Like, so I think she, like, looked at it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but... They go into this huge battle. They eventually win and reverse the blip. But the people who actually died, Natasha, Gamora, Vision, and Tony Stark, or Iron Man. Sorry to the spoilers, everybody. Those people, (laughs) Iron Man dies. He's gone. Like, this, they're over. No more Robert Downey Jr. Everybody is so sad. Bruce Banner, so sad. And then they have a big funeral for just Tony Stark. (laughs) And not... And not any of the other people. (laughs) Wanda is like, I just lost Vision, who's like, I'm obsessed with. And obviously then she goes crazy and creates television shows in her head. Bruce Banner, like, runs off. He's alone. So, like, all these people who, I mean, Chris Pratt's by himself. Like, super sad. Um, But the after credit scene in the new movie, the new Black Widow movie, which is supposed to set up the next thing we'll see. We see her little sister from the Black Widow movie, the blonde-haired little sister who also trained in the Red Room, um, kneeling over Natasha's grave, which is really Mm. sweet because it says Natasha and has the Black Widow symbol and it says sister, friend, Avenger or something like that. Um, She's kind of crying and she stands up and then Elaine from Seinfeld is there. And Julie Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, now she's in the Marvel universe. What? Yeah, this is all fine. Um, thanks to Disney Plus for that. <laughs> um, and she says, "Do you want to go after who's really responsible for your sister's death?" And hands her a picture of Hawkeye. And that's like the end. So no, now it wasn't really. No, it's not really his fault. <gasps> okay. It's also not what Black Widow would have wanted. She literally no. sacrificed herself to kill him. That's I not what know. she wants. It's so sad. I'm super sad about it. So okay. that was a great moment. Um, so one of the greatest things about Scarlett Johansson is the way that she deals with interview questions. Mm -hmm. So I just pulled a couple of them because I mean, RIP Natasha, you're dead. We know you're gone. We're glad we got this movie that flashed Mm -hmm. back, but like you're done along with Tony Stark and vision, even though he got a television show, even though he's dead. Um, (laughs) God, bring all the people back. Okay. So, um, at a panel, somebody asked her about her diet, and she looked at Robert Downey Jr. and said, how come you get the really interesting existential questions and I get the rabbit food questions <laughs> instead of answering? <laughs> um, and in 2015, she was asked about what she wore under her costume and said, since when did people start asking people in interviews about their underwear? Yeah, So really, really rude. Wasn't fine with that. In 2012, when she was asked what she thinks of her adoring male fans, she said, it's more flattering to me when little girls come up and say they love my movies. That's a perfect response. It really is. Then when asking about Age of Ultron, somebody said, obviously your character could have easily been written off as the sexy one. And Johansson said, have you ever seen Chris Hemsworth? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Uh, others have started to take her hint and her male co-stars, people like Mark Ruffalo have started to answer the shitty questions for her instead. (laughs) And overall people have really stopped asking them because she will get up and leave the interview. Good. And that's the black widow we all deserve. I'm really proud that she made the decision not only to fight in the movies, but to fight every day so that people don't ask her condescending questions. Mm -hmm. And, um, that is the black widow story. She lives on in the comic books, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she's dead. Oh, that's so sad. I didn't know that she was one of the ones who died. Yeah. Like, I felt like everyone knew that Tony Stark died. Right. Because that was really publicized. But yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that those other people had died. Yeah. I had no idea. It's. It, I think it actually put a really personal touch. The things, like I said, that put a personal touch are that they got in trouble. Mm-hmm. They got arrested. They got mm-hmm. put on house arrest. That, you know, they had to pay debts when they messed stuff up. Yeah. And that when they died, they actually died. Yeah. And that was it. You're like, yeah. your superhero is gone. Yep. Mm. So that's her story. All right. That's super, super <laughs> in-depth. I'm glad it took under an hour, though. Cause yeah. No, it was really interesting. Was Just like, um, also, like how you noted when she got more screen time. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. like, it is like a shift that they had to make of, like, right. you need to make these female characters, like, legitimate. Like, right. Like, do something else, please. Ah, oh, perfect. All right. Well, are you ready for another drink? I am. All right. We'll be right back. Bye. Producer needs to straight up buy us a really good heater. Yeah, I agree. So, Okay. I really, either that or, like, this is the chimney that fiancé slash husband said we can't use either. Yeah. Like, this is the one. The one we can't use. (laughs) Wouldn't the podcast sound so good with a crackling fire? All right. We might have to spend the $20,000 and get fiancé slash husband over here to, like... fine. We could use the commission. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. We're back for part two. Are you ready to hear about a horrible woman. I am I am really, really ready because I haven't heard you tell a story in like two weeks, first of all. And second of all, I was absolutely done with talking after my <laughs> story. I can imagine. Um, because I loved it, but... Well, and also, I think those stories are harder for you because you actually know the, also the side tangents. So, like, yeah. if I told it, I would have nothing to add. <laughs> but with you, you're like... Well, and also, I should probably mention this scene from the Hulk movie. You know, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This like, one moment yeah. when the Hulk wasn't Mark Ruffalo because it started out as not Mark Ruffalo. What? It was American History X, but then he didn't get along with the Marvel people, so they kicked him <gasps> out. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which? What's his name? Why can't I think of his name? I had no idea. The guy from American History X. He's super famous. He's an actor. Clive Owen? No. I'll find it. Okay. <laughs> tell me what I'm drinking and then I'll tell you. Okay. So this cocktail is called How Could You Mrs. Dick? Ooh. It is two ounces of scotch. I feel like this is our first scotch cocktail. I think we've used it before, but this is the first one in a long yeah. time. It's two ounces of scotch, an ounce of sweet vermouth, half an ounce of dry vermouth, orange bitters, and a an, uh, half ounce or three-fourths, depending on your sweet taste level, um, of maple syrup. And I obviously just got back from my honeymoon in New England, so this is New England, New Hampshire, 
maple syrup. Miss Krista, get in a car. Go to New Hampshire. You're closer than us anyway. <laughs> pretty, still pretty damn far away from you, though. <laughs> um, and yeah, and you serve it straight up with an orange peel. Here so we go. Cheers. Cheers. Look. I love it. It is really good. And I typically hate scotch. Yeah. Scotch has just a, um, like a musky mm-hmm. flavor at the end, which yeah. like I'm not getting here. Yeah. I, I think the syrup is covering it up. Yeah. The mm. orange peel always does a really nice job of just like, it makes it rich. I think it makes the cocktail more rich. Yeah. It, it just kind of finishes it in a really nice way, but the orange isn't overpowering. I agree. I really um, like it. Yeah. We actually got this scotch from... <laughs> This guy that Casey did a job for, um, he was like, well, I'm not going to pay you money, but I will give you this 12 year old bottle of scotch. And Casey's like, I don't drink scotch, but thanks. Thanks. Rather the money probably. Like maybe just like, maybe just give me money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, um, so yeah, I based that off of a maple Rob Roy. Um, no particular reason except for maple is obviously Canadian and this is a Canadian story. Okay. Yeah. They have, I I mean, the literal leaf is on their flag. It really is. It is. So Edward Norton, by the way. What? Edward is Norton he Canadian? Was, no, it was the original Hall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Fraser is Canadian. Oh, Brendan Fraser is Canadian. Edward Norton was the Hall. God bless him. <laughs> um, what do you know about Evelyn Dick? I don't know anything about her. I know that she sounded like she was like a lovely person, mm-hmm. like the, the description, mm-hmm. but clearly is not a lovely person because I'm yeah. thinking she killed some people. Because mm-hmm. when I saw her put on the Halloween episode with uh-huh. Black Widow, I was like, <laughs> she's most likely a murderer. Katie's yes. pretty clever. So I'm assuming she killed her husband or multiple husbands. Yes, she killed her husband. Okay. Um, so this is a very, very famous Canadian case. Um, she is known as like the black widow of canada um and so if you are canadian and you know this story in and out and like i miss your favorite fact i do apologize um because there are a lot of like twists and turns in this and (laughs) evelyn's insane so uh yeah but i got most of this from a ctv documentary and um the podcast once upon a crime um she had a ton of really awesome information um okay So our story begins on March 16th, 1946 in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. Five children are playing in the forests of Hamilton Mountain when they came across something gruesome. I'm going to warn you now, this is a disgusting story as well. I'm so ready. So just a warning. (laughs) They initially thought it was a dead pig, but when they started poking it with a stick, they discovered it was a human torso. Why do kids always poke stuff with sticks? Don't know. They immediately ran out to the road and formed a human chain across the road to stop. <laughs> they were like, we are stopping someone. Uh, like, Armageddon line. Yes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and a young couple stopped. And after the man went with them and confirmed that... <laughs> There was indeed a human torso in the woods. He instructed his wife. He goes, okay, you go get the police. I'll stay here with the kids, like help them calm down. So we also like know where it was, you know? So the police get there and a few things could be seen immediately. There were two bullet holes in the torso and all of the extremities had been sawed off except for the genitalia. 
since there were no fingerprints to check his identity and obviously no head to check dental records or literally what he looked like, they called in a pathologist named Dr. Deadman, which is a really ironic. <laughs> I know. How do you not? How do you not? How Every not? single thing was like, and his name was unfortunately <laughs> Dr. Deadman. When do you not change your name though? <laughs> change it. Up and change it. So they did call him and they're like, we don't know how to figure out who this person is. So he was like, okay, I can tell you. He's probably killed 10 to 14 days ago. He's a male around six feet tall, uh, 30s to 50s. Uh, But there is one key clue that his body can tell us. The man in question only had one testicle. So the police are baffled and literally left with one undescended clue. When a local family filed for a missing persons report for their 39-year-old relative named John. With testicular cancer. (laughs) (laughs) So they call it. They go, hey, our, like, you know, brother, whatever, cousin, co-worker has been missing for 12 days. And he has one testicle. So the police (laughs) said. No. the, (laughs) The police asked them. They go does he have a missing ball? And they said, yes, he does. And bingo, they had their victim. <laughs> bingo, bango. Exactly. <laughs> so now they just had to find their murderer. And of course, the search started with the usual suspect, the estranged spouse, a woman named Evelyn Dick. And when the press got a hold of a story. <laughs> Evelyn, one ball dick. <laughs> That's her real name, right? If it wasn't just for that testicle, she would have gotten away with it. Um, uh, <laughs> and when the press got a hold of a story that included a severed torso and a young, beautiful woman, they were hooked. All of Canada couldn't get dick out of their heads. So let's <laughs> dive into the woman of the hour. Let's get her. Evelyn McLean was born on October 13th, spooky, spooky, 1920 in Ontario to a rather dysfunctional family. So wait, she's like a Virgo, right? She's mm-hmm. not a Scorp. No, she's not, not a, I don't think, I don't think a Scorp. No, no. Cause you are, I'm a Scorpio. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's still a spooky, spooky October birth. I hope it was a Friday. And Someone I hope do the it math. was a full moon. Someone do the math. Okay. Um, wait, her, what's the day? October 13th, 1920. Okay. Her father, Donald, was an abusive alcoholic, and her mother, Alexandra, was an unhappy, overly religious woman who was angry and resentful that they did not have more money and better social standing. But two things looked like they were going to help turn things around for them. One was the birth of Evelyn, this beautiful, dark-haired girl who Alexandra was sure that they could use to climb the social ladder. And the second... Was that Donald, who worked for the Hamilton Street Railway System, began embezzling money. <laughs> One estimate is that he stole uh, around two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is between three and four million dollars in today's money. So her dad is stealing. Her money. Her dad is stealing money. Okay. Yes. Um, so from a young age, Evelyn became kind of a pawn in her parents' plans and conflicts. They separated about seven times throughout the course of their marriage, and her mother completely dominated her life. She spoiled her endlessly while also controlling everything Evelyn did and everyone she spoke to. Mm. 
Alexandra had just like this idea of a life she wished to live. And if someone didn't match her idea of good people, she wouldn't speak to them. And the beginning before like Donald really started stealing a lot of money, they like didn't live in super fancy areas. So like she would just like turn up her nose at everyone and be like, I'm not talking to you. You're not good enough. It's like, you're my neighbor. We live in the same fucking neighborhood. What is wrong with you? Like, so they developed like a really weird insular relationship, Evelyn and her mother, um, because they just pushed a lot of people away. They kind of only had each other. Um, and it's like Donald wasn't a good dad. And like, so they would like, again, he wasn't there a lot. And so they would just ended up sleeping in the same bed, mm. but from like when she was a kid to when she was an adult. Okay. Like they always slept together. So, but eventually, thanks to her father's ill-gotten gains, she was able to attend the Loretto Academy for Girls, a very pricey private school that Alexandra was sure would open up the world for her daughter. But their plan was not quite working out. Since Evelyn's mother kept her so isolated as a young girl, she really lacked social skills. Mm. And she was really awkward and she made people uncomfortable and... It was just, and it was made worse by her mom who just kept pushing her to just try harder, just put yourself out there, just like buy them lunch, like just all these things. And that's hard when you're shy. Yeah. And it just like turned people off from Evelyn. And then she was like, well, just show them you have money just like they do. So she would come to school in these really extravagant fur coats. And she ended up like driving this yellow convertible with leopard print seats. <laughs> like, I mean, same though. <laughs> right. It's like, but can again, I get, can I get one? It's like, if it weren't on Evelyn, people would probably be like, man, that's cool. But like, <laughs> it's just like, it's all very awkward. And, you know, she would treat everyone to lunch or dinner frequently, just like always buying people meals to be like, hey, hang out with me. I'll buy you dinner. Which, like, that, it was like, like everyone in school described her as very desperate and overbearing. Well, and like you're paying somebody to be your friend. Exactly. It's like, hey, will you be friends with me? It's like maybe just sit down and chat for right, a bit. Just talk to me. Um, it was funny though, because a lot of the times she paid uh for dinner and stuff in coins because her dad was a like a he was worked for the railway system, so people paid for their fare for the streetcars and coins. <laughs> so he was stealing a lot of coins. So it'd be like Evelyn's like then it's on me, bitches, and just throw a bunch of quarters on the table. <laughs> Again, weird flex, Evelyn. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and then when she would have parties of her own, which she did a lot because no one invited her to their parties, um, she would give everyone super extravagant gifts. Like at one party, she gave all the girls silver compacts and the boys silver cigarette cases that were like, they looked at me like, Evelyn, like how much did these cost? Like, like, like they're in her wedding party or something. Yeah. That's just like, crazy you need thing. to calm down. Yeah, like, seriously. But she eventually did find an audience for her affection, which was older men. <laughs> um, she started going out with much older men when she was about 14. They adored having a young, gorgeous girl on their arm, and she loved the attention <laughs> and being constantly taken out, like out on the town to Ontario's finest restaurants. Um, and as the years went on and her outings became more prominent, rumors flew around that she was an escort. 
So the town is talking. They're like, Evelyn was out with this guy. Evelyn was out with that guy. Like, you know, like she must be being paid for sex and dates. But actually, sometimes it was the other way around. She was not an escort. She just really did like going out with guys. Um, And a lot of these men would actually end up borrowing money from Evelyn at various points. Because let's be clear, Evelyn didn't need to get money from a relationship. Right. Um, Her family was loaded because of all the stealing. Mm. Um, So she didn't need to be paid to have fun. She just really liked going out and getting attention. Um, and we later found out about all of her exploits because she kept a little black book of all of her lovers, but it wasn't just older men. She would date younger guys on occasion. That's a Um, big flex. Yeah. The black book. I feel like boys have that usually. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was like said that she had like 125 names in there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. She especially loved a man in uniform, but her mother always encouraged her to go for the older, wealthier ones. Mm. So again, her like it kind of seems like at this time she's rebelling from her mom and going out. But like really, Evelyn is um, Alexandra is still pulling the strings behind this whole operation. Right. And she's like, Evelyn, go be a kitten. Exactly. Okay. And when she does date like a guy who's age appropriate or like in the military, her mom like quickly puts that down. She's like, no, no, no. You're going to marry a rich man because we're going to keep this thing going. Mm. <laughs> so I think I think Alexandra, her mother, is like, I don't want to be married to your dad anymore. So we need to get you married to a rich guy so we don't have to depend on him. <laughs> um, so especially in those days, though, fun does have its uh, results. And it is believed that Evelyn had at least one, maybe two abortions during this time period. Um, and, but in 1942, when she was 22, she did give birth to her first child, uh, a daughter she named Heather Maria White. Now you might ask, where did the last name White come from? Well, Evelyn's made up husband, of course. <laughs> she listed herself as Evelyn White on hospital records and told everyone that her husband, Norman White, was off at war in the Navy. Good this, cover. This, it's a good cover. It's a really good cover. Because you could be, you would be like shunned, shunned, yeah, shunned. Back absolutely. Then for being yeah. an unwed mother. Yeah. So, so she's trying to cover her tracks, you know? Yeah. Good honor. So this was obviously a lie though. Um, and a year later she gave birth to her second child, another girl, but unfortunately this one was stillborn. Oh. And then eight months after that, she was pregnant again and her father, Donald, just had had enough of this. He screamed at her, telling if he that he was going to kick her out of the house if she brought home another bastard. Alexandra, of course, defended Evelyn. Um, but the whole thing was so dramatic and contentious and horrible that Evelyn was like, okay, I do need to move out. So she rented this gorgeous apartment in an old mansion um, in Hamilton. But when the landlord met her, he was like, look, lady, this apartment isn't going to work for you if you have two kids. Like, it's too small for, like, you know, you and, like, your husband whenever he comes home and two kids. And she looked down at her clearly pregnant belly and she said, oh, this? Oh, no, no. (laughs) You're misunderstanding. Uh, This child inside of me is dead. Uh, Don't worry. I'm getting it removed, like, next week. Uh, Sorry about the confusion. No, I'm not having a baby. (laughs) He said, well, I am, but it's not alive. And he was like, oh, okay. Uh, Super sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. Be a little bit less cash. Yeah. A little less cash about it. (laughs) Uh, But that was a lie. Um, But not a complete lie. It would be just her and her daughter because when she gave birth to her son, Peter David White, 
she didn't come home with him. Her mother was like, where is your baby? And Evelyn said, oh, like the Children's Aid Society came and they adopted him. After she told all the nurses at the hospital the sad news that her husband, Mr. White, was tragically lost at sea and she's now a widow. So now she's getting like all the sympathy from everyone. Like, wow, this one was a pathological liar. Yes, yes, she is. You know who she reminds me of is Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony did the same thing. Big liar. Big liar. And like literally lying until like she literally told someone that she worked at Disney and walked down a corporate office until she literally got to the end of the hallway and there was no office for and they her. had no idea where like she was had no idea where she was going yeah yeah she's insane she literally walked into this building mm-hmm. okay uh the there are a lot of lies a lot of lies a lot of confidence and um alexandra just said okay and they never spoke of baby peter ever again well i hope that he had a happy life and family i hope but he didn't Another weird thing. <laughs> oh, no. Poor Peter. Another weird Peter. thing. <laughs> Peter. Another weird thing that's happening at this time is that she got this apartment, but now then she's like, oh, but I don't have a baby. She's still living with her parents. So then why is she's not at the apartment? Only when she's entertaining men. <laughs> oh. She literally has like a bachelorette pad. I like it. <laughs> So if she wasn't in bed with a guy and her fancy apartment, she was back home in bed with her mom. In August of 1945, things take a turn when Evelyn meets a man named John Dick. And by October, they are engaged, like just a couple months. John Dick is a streetcar driver who was 39, 15 years older than the 24-year-old Evelyn. Now this couple was off to a pretty bad start. Evelyn lied to John, saying that her deceased husband was a wealthy stockbroker who had left her a bunch of money. And John lied to her, saying that he and his mother owned stocks in a big fruit canning company that was owned by his relatives. These are only lies that can be told in the 40s. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, we can just Google your ass. Exactly. Now, his relatives did own a company, but John had no part in it. And of course, Evelyn... Had never been married. Now, she did have money from her family, but again, like, the end goal was to marry a guy with money. Okay. So, they both kind of know that they're in it for the wrong reason, but they don't know that the other person is. (laughs) So, they both think that they're marrying the safety net, which is a bad But they're both lying. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're just, like, really both big holes in the boat. Um, so they keep their engagement a secret, uh, but her mother did find out two weeks before the wedding and flipped out. (laughs) Of course. Uh, she was like, a streetcar driver is not what I wanted for you. You're supposed to marry a wealthy older man. What are all those guys doing in your black book? If you're not going to fucking marry one of them, pick one, pick one. Like she's furious. I'm sure Hugh Hefner was alive at the time. (laughs) Go after him. Move to America. (laughs) Uh, but she refused to attend Evelyn's small wedding, which occurred on October 4th, 1945. Rude. So they get married. No fanfare. <laughs> As the documentary said, no confetti. <laughs> <laughs> Do we throw confetti at weddings? I guess. Wow. I mean, I was banned from doing that what at mine. Rice? But <laughs> no rice, you mean? No rice, no confetti. No sparklers. No bubbles. <laughs> um, no releasing of the doves. None of that. No monarch butterflies. So they get married. They like went out to dinner 
And then John was like, great. Now back to your nice apartment that I know you have. And she goes, Ooh, actually, you know what? That place is just too small. Um, so I'm going to go home. You go home and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> just was like, no, thanks. Bails on him right after the wedding, right after the wedding. So he like goes home confused to his boarding house that he's living in. Like what just happened? That is so crazy. And he spent his wedding night alone and Evelyn spent hers in her bed with her mom. Fun. I mean, hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to do what you want to do. Okay. Uh, Then days after the wedding, she was having drinks in a hotel bar with a man named (laughs) Bill Boashuk. Boashuk? Sounds right. Bahujuk. We'll call him Bahujuk. So these two quickly started dating. <laughs> Freshly after she's she was married. Literally just got married. Um, Did she find a richer man? I don't even think he wasn't even that much richer. He was like, I forget. He was like a steel worker. So she's just, oh, oh I, and an Olympic rower. We'll say he was an Olympic rower, but back then Olympics didn't mean jack shit. I mean, so. I could be an Olympic rower. <laughs> This is something that Allie's been saying for a year. She's like, I just feel like I could row crew in the Olympics. I just do. I really think I could be a great asset to any team. Any team looking for an Olympic crew rower, I'm available. I'm, I'm fully available. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, Wait, about me and crew or about? <laughs> about <laughs> all of it. About all of it. Um, so they're dating. They're taking Sunday drives with her daughter, Heather. And these to- two dodos are like not trying to keep this a secret. They are seen <laughs> all over town together. And John started hearing rumors that about his new wife, like dating a guy. <laughs> so he starts spying on her and kind of looking into who he married yes he's being super mature yeah uh he soon discovered that she had never been married before uh that heather was an illegitimate child and that evelyn had a penchant for sleeping around including right now with this guy bill (laughs) so john is distraught of course he goes to bill's work and he approaches him but not angrily. Like, apparently he's like crying. He's like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you sleeping with my wife? And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not sleeping with anybody's wife. And he's like, you know, Evelyn, he goes, yeah. He goes, that's my wife. And Bill is like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. He really had no idea. And he was like, look, I'm going to break this off right now. I'm so sorry. Uh, Evelyn is borrowing my car, so I'll get that back. Don't worry. But yeah, it was like this really weird moment where he was like, "Ah." it's just horrible. I love that conversation. They're like, what a mature way to handle it. Yeah, honestly, just being like, why are you like, I don't know, you know, and again, not being angry, just being like really sad, like. Because, yeah, Bill's not the problem. No! (laughs) Evelyn's the problem. Okay. So instead of leaving her, John thought, okay, well, if I provide the life that she wants, then she'll, like, stop running around, you know, town on me. Like, then she'll settle down with me. He's like, okay, just have to buy a house. But remember, he told Evelyn that he had money, but he really didn't. He's a streetcar driver. He's a streetcar driver that doesn't actually have any stocks in Fruit Candy Company. Right. So 
He goes to Evelyn's mother and he said, can I borrow $1,200 from you to put down a like a down payment on a house? Okay. Now, this woman didn't even go to their wedding and he wants her to give him all this money. She obviously said no because she like hates him. Uh, but also, I think she said no because he didn't need to buy a house. Evelyn bought a house last week. Go live in that one. <laughs> That's what he said. He goes, why am I not living there? And so he finds out that Evelyn bought a house behind his back and is living there with her mother and daughter. And not him? Not him. So he goes to the house <laughs> and she reluctantly lets him move in with them. This is absurd. <laughs> I know. He's like trying so hard for her. I know. He's being like the nicest John Dick. Yep. The nicest dick. So, I mean, what about Dick Clark? <sighs> I do love him. I actually thought of him the other day because he was in a Futurama episode, like hosting the <laughs> Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's <laughs> Eve. Not New Year's Eve in like a, a million <laughs> Like 3,000. What's the other? Ryan Seacrest? No, I was thinking <laughs> of the other dick that I care about. In Mary Poppins. Oh, Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. That's another nice dick. This is the third nicest dick. I mean, he's okay. <laughs> this john dick is on the list of the top 10 nicest dicks yeah i would say yeah yeah maybe i mean again he's not the greatest but yeah he's, he's we'll find good. out i don't we'll know his out. story so far that's true this is all i got um but he's really trying I to will like, say, marry his wife he's definitely a victim in all this i will say <laughs> Poor baby. um okay da -da 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 -da. this marriage is not going well <laughs> And this living situation is going even worse. There are constant fights. And according to John and Alexandra and Evelyn and Donald, <laughs> everyone is threatening to kill each other. <laughs> so John just stops coming home. And after four months of marriage and maybe like two months of living together, he moves out. He's like, like, fuck this. I hate this. Like, and he like told a coworker, he was like, it's gotta be like her mother or me. And she definitely chose her mother. So Evelyn starts telling rumors and she's like, well, John's not here because he's having an affair with other women, but actually he was just staying at his cousin's house. Like he wasn't. So his life at work is also terrible because he works for the same company as Evelyn's father, the Hamilton street railway system. And Donald is constantly shitting on John, telling everyone in the railway system that he is like a freeloading piece of crap. And John is getting sick of this. So he turns to his father-in-law and says, well, you're just a lousy thief. Yeah, I know that you've been stealing money from the railway system for years. And Donald gets very serious. And instead of backing down, he goes, if you tell anyone, I will shoot you and kill you. A threat that John took very seriously. So well, because he had been living in the house with the threats, yeah. the kill threats. Yeah. So he went to the police and told them everything. He's like, I'm going to be done with his family, like for once and for all. I mean, that's grounds for divorce too. Like oh, he can, yeah. he could have had grounds for divorce on just the affair. Oh yeah. Women needed two grounds. Yep. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, I mean, honestly, men at this time probably could have just like gone and just gotten it anyways. You could have just like... said whatever you wanted. <laughs> but like, yeah, for I mean, he's a, not a wealthy guy, so like, yeah, I'm sure a divorce costs money or like court paperwork. So like, yeah. having all this proof is like really good. Yeah. 
Um, so it is an understatement to say that things are at a boiling point right now. And on Tuesday, March 6th, Evelyn showed up at the local auto repair shop to borrow a car. That same day, John was seen at a local restaurant eating a late lunch, which unfortunately was the last time he would be seen by anyone except his murderer. After just having a late lunch. I Mm -hmm. love a late lunch. Mm -hmm. Around 6 p.m., Evelyn came home and asked her mother for the key to the garage so she could park the car. And her mother was like, that's impossible. The garage is so full of junk. But she sees Evelyn out there trying anyways to back this car that she borrowed like into this very full garage. And it's just not working. And she just drives off frustrated. Then she drops the car back off at the shop with a little note explaining that the blood in the car was definitely not from a murder, but from her daughter cutting herself in the car. Sorry about that. Sorry that Heather bled all over the car. Yeah. My little daughter. She cut her face. My bad. <laughs> Literally, that's what she said. She was her like, face? sorry, she cut her face. Like, I was like, that's easily dis- debunked. Like, yeah, yeah. if anyone sees her, Let's like, just look what? at her face. Look at her face. Oh, my gosh. So a few days later, according to Alexandra, she remarked, she goes, hmm. You know, Evelyn, I haven't seen John in a couple days. You know, he hasn't been operating his usual streetcar. And Evelyn says, well, you'll never never see him on a streetcar again. And it's not likely that he'll ever bother me again. When Alexandra asked, what do you mean by that? Evelyn said, shut your damn mouth. Wowza! And then, of shut course, up. and then, of course, whoa, whoa. shut up. Days later, cops would arrive at Evelyn Dick's door to inquire about her husband, who was just discovered dead and limbless in the woods. Now, she would have known that this was happening because they found the torso, and the news of the torso was everywhere. And then they discovered who it was, and she had no reaction. So like, oh my gosh, that was my husband who's been like in all the papers. Poor Again, he, poor he. in the woods. She goes, well, don't look at me. This girl with the, <laughs> with the quotes, with the quotes she She's has. Got quotes out the wall. She's out. insane. Yeah. Don't look at me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I'm married. Um, <laughs> so the cops are like. Okay, something crazy is going on here. Check so the shed. They exactly. So they get a search warrant for her home and they take her downtown for questioning. The funny thing is, she starts talking immediately, but way too much. The detective who worked the case was like, "Yeah, it was weird. She was like confessing, but in a dozen different ways, telling us different stories of what really happened to John every day, while also maintaining that she had no idea what happened to him. So some days she would say, oh, well, you know, John was a real tomcat, you know, sleeping with broads all over town. So I guess one of the husbands just got fed up and killed him. That would be my theory. And then it kind of turned into the mob was involved. So sometimes the jilted husband was in the mob, you know, and other times he wasn't, you know, or, you know, other times it wasn't about an affair at all. She was like, oh, it's just, you know, John, he was stealing from the railway. He was stealing tickets. He was working with the mob. So I guess he just got whacked. And once the mob story got into her head, she really ran with it. And in order to convince the police that this was true, she decided to then put herself 
at the scene of the crime to convince them that she was telling the truth. Oh my, why, honey? She bunny? said, okay, here's what happened. One night I get this call to meet some men, you know, out on this like weird backwoods road. And she goes, and when I get to this remote location, they just put a bag in the back of my borrowed car. And I'm like, this isn't even my car. Okay. But they put this bag in a guy gets in and tells me drive. And I asked what was in the bag and they said, just a part of John. And she goes, and then they made me drive up the mountain to dump the body. It was so upsetting. And the police were like, why would they call you to take the body and dump it when they had already driven out there with the body? And They're why like, wouldn't they report you? Why, right. you report why didn't them you report them if you knew? Immediately when you get home. Right. And also, like, it just, they were like, that doesn't make any sense when they obviously already had a car. Why would they involve you? Why would they have one more witness to their crimes? And she goes, oh, well, you know what? Actually, okay, I'll, I'll tell you the full truth now. The mob had a car in the shop. They were down a car. And they needed to do other crimes with the car that they were transporting the body in. And they just didn't have time to do both. This sounds so like they she's called the mob me. secretary. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. So she goes, they needed their car. So they called me to use my car, even though I was already borrowing a car. Um, yeah, so I'm sorry. It was, they were running illegal booze that's what they were doing with that car so that's why i was there Mm. and it was just (laughs) they were so frustrated with this ever-changing story that eventually they looked her straight in the eye and go evelyn did you kill your husband she goes no of course not i have no idea where his arms legs and hands are like that was her response (laughs) they're like wasn't what we asked you we asked if you killed him uh (laughs) so now they just had to find the arms hands and legs yeah and so the police aren't buying it so they are like officially arrest her um but they don't quite have enough to actually do murder charges like they don't have any evidence they just have this weird her weird reactions so they bring her in on vagrancy charges which was really just a way for them to keep somebody in custody while they figured things out right um which unfortunately those kinds of things are often used to discriminate against people of course um so they're trying to figure things out and then they decide they're like okay so we don't have any evidence that John was having an affair, but we know that Evelyn was having one. So why don't we just go ahead and arrest Bill? Uh, because he's maybe he's involved somehow. We really don't know. Poor Bill. And once Evelyn heard that Bill was arrested, she goes, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I have so much more information to tell you. This girl. She was like, wow, you guys are good. You have the right man right there. He definitely did it. And you know how I know he did it? Because he asked me for the money for the hit job. And you know what's so funny? He literally just borrowed $200 for me to kill my husband. And you know the guys he used? Those gangsters I told you about. So that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't actually tell you the full truth before, but now I am. Uh, the name Romanelli is coming to mind. So I think that was the gangster's name. So yeah. Bill and Romanelli, definitely not me involved at all. Those two guys for sure did this. <laughs> I am, my mouth is like hanging open. How could they believe this? They can't. They don't. Okay. So she's talking and talking and talking and they go, 
Okay, Evelyn, look, you're implicating yourself yet again with being very involved in this. So uh, where is the rest of the body? Do you know anything about that? Can somebody get this girl a lawyer? And (laughs) We'll get to that. And she goes, ooh, you know what? Mm, okay, more memories, more memories. Uh, Bill <laughs> definitely. All back to me now. Uh, Bill definitely did mention something about maybe like a furnace. Like I think he was like, yeah, I'm gonna like burn that body in a furnace, and which is interesting because the police are currently searching her house. Mind I mean, you, I'm really concerned. This isn't a matter how, of days. I'm really concerned with how heavy a torso is. Like torsos have got to be heavy, right? Uh, I mean, honestly, I'd probably say about the size of like a medium pig. Like especially like if it's a full size they said like yeah. a six foot male yeah like so that's, that's a good size i mean yeah. like the arms legs and head don't make up that much like the torso is no. really heavy it's pretty heavy um so it's funny that she mentioned a furnace um because they are searching her house and they came across an article from a detective magazine that was like cut out and like kind of kept out um about a case where someone disposed of a body in a furnace I mean, isn't that how people do it? And uh, what was nearby in this article? Uh, a bloody basket full of ashes. Oh, my gosh. A bloody basket full of ashes. Why didn't you just burn the basket? There's no telling with Evelyn. Um, so they start sifting through the ashes and almost immediately find bone fragments. Well, I mean, your your fire has to be so hot so to hot get rid to of burn bone. bone. Yeah. Um, they also discovered more ashes and teeth fragments scattered in, scattered in her driveway. <laughs> Why did they not find this yet? But, I mean, this is literally in a matter of days. Okay. So there's like so, so many teeth. She's literally like they, I think they arrest Bill on like the second or third day. And that's because she's literally talking so much that it's within three days. I think it was that like, they start actually like really finding the evidence against her. So all of the teeth and bones, all the teeth and bones, all of her crazy testimony, all of it. Um, but what they found next in the house would throw the entire investigation and frankly, all of Canada for a loop. It was time for the team to search the attic. And the detectives found something kind of off. It was a tan-colored suitcase that was locked. When they asked Alexandra about it, she goes, Oh, yeah, Evelyn put that up here, uh, but she lost the key like a while ago, so I don't know. And they're like, We just have a feeling about this. So they plied the case open, pried it open, only to be met with a horrible stench. Is it his heart? They saw a burlap bag. And when they opened that up... Oh, is it his testicle? There was a wicker basket. (laughs) What could be in a wicker basket? When they opened the basket up, they found a small cardboard box filled with cement with a little piece of fabric sticking out. What's in the box? What's in the box? (laughs) The police took the box to a lab, and as the doctor carefully chipped away at the cement, he came across a shopping bag wrapped in a skirt... That had Evelyn's name stitched across the waistband. And in the shopping bag was the mummified corpse of baby Peter, still wearing his newborn diaper she with a cord around his neck. Cemented the baby and put him in a suitcase and put him in the attic. I am. <laughs> fully shocked yeah a cement box baby yeah. i hate that i know 
I so they're literally investigating her for another murder and they find another body. You're like, Evelyn, what the hell? So they confront her about this, obviously. And she goes, mm, okay, you know what? Okay, yes, I did. Okay, I did have a baby boy. Um, but you know who Sonny was? Bill's. He was Bill's son. Uh, Bill killed him, too. You know what? Yes, Bill definitely killed him. Killed the yep. baby? Yep. I remember it so clearly. She said, I was in the car with him. And he said, give that baby to me. I'll take care of the little bastard. And she said, yep, that's all I know about that. And this the, woman and the police were like, okay. Um, I mean, except for that, it was at your house wrapped, wrapped in, in a skirt <laughs> with your name. Right. So like, that's it. obviously not all you know about that. He was in your house. And she goes, okay, well, I mean, I, I did, I did do a little cement work. Um, <laughs> but just because he gave it to me like eight months later and the cement was starting to crumble. And I was like, I will not have that for my baby. I will not. So I did redo the cement just to like make him a nicer casket. But like, I, I did not kill him. That was Bill. And Peter. this is when <laughs> her lawyer finally shows up to the station and he goes, shut up, Evelyn. Stop talking. I mean, plead the fifth real early on. That's in the original Bill of Rights. She had at this point implicated herself. I mean, like five ways from Sunday or whatever the hell that phrase is. And on March 26th, she is officially charged with murder. Good. And on the 29th, she and Bill were both charged with the murder of baby Peter. By April, (laughs) she's starting to get a little squirmy. (laughs) So she decides that she is going to implicate one more person in the murders because the best way to get away with murder is to have multiple people to pick from. It's the best way to confuse a jury. Exactly. So she goes to the police and she said, so when exactly are you going to arrest my dad? You know, he is totally a part of this. You know, in fact, fun fact for you guys, he loaned Bill the gun (laughs) that he used in the murder. So you should definitely arrest those people and let me go because I'm innocent. And they're like, so you knew that Bill had a gun from your father and that you all like were in on this together but you're not involved at all she goes no i swear and you know what to prove it okay i'll tell you the truth for real this time oh my god (laughs) i mean tell one that someone's lying is that they cannot get their truth straight she goes so i did meet up with john that day we're gonna go out drinking but the bar was closed so instead we're like okay we'll pick up some liquor and kill some people Um, and you know what you know what (laughs) let's pick up bill the man I was having an affair with. So me and John picked up Bill and the three of us went up to the mountain just to have a few drinks and a few laughs. I'm like a picnic. No one would be laughing in that situation. <laughs> just me no and one's- a strange <laughs> husband and, and, and my, my ex- lover. And my ex-lover. <laughs> and my dead baby. Our dead baby came. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she goes, yeah, we just went up to the mountain <laughs> where the body was found uh, just to have a good time. But then Bill like totally freaked out. And I swear to God, it was Bill who did all of the killing and the dismembering and putting the body in the furnace uh but yeah we did definitely put the body in the furnace but it was him it was him not me not not us him the police are like you just confessed to like the whole thing 
And she also, doesn't know. like, where's the mob now? Where was, did the mob go? <laughs> she goes, yeah, the mob is not involved anymore. She goes, okay, I did make that up. Uh, but no, it was definitely Bill and my dad. And like, you know, they're also criminals. So you should probably look into them too. Meanwhile, you Meanwhile? need to keep in mind <laughs> that this news is traveling all over Canada and people are freaking out about this story because it has everything. So every time Evelyn is being transferred or going to the courthouse or whatever, the paparazzi are hounding her and she's like, <sighs> fucking loving it she's like yeah better get my good side boys (laughs) and they are just uh, it is all just such a circus and then the media gets a hold of her little black book and she is being called a nymphomaniac and suddenly all these men around town are being outed as having slept with this murderess And they're all like, thank God I got out of this alive and didn't get accused of this murder. Like, poor Bill. I know. Poor Bill. (laughs) There goes Bill. Um, (laughs) Her trial began on October 7th, 1946. She just loves October. Loves October. And it was a trial of the century with lots of evidence and lots of, again, crazy contradictory stories and confessions, including some from her mother. Now, Alexandra was a god-fearing woman so she was not about to lie on the stand and she did tell the truth she was like i'm not gonna lie i did see my daughter spreading ashes in the driveway and she did tell me that we didn't have to worry about john anymore good for this woman i mean come on so uh, the defense said this isn't concrete evidence and the only reason that her confessions are there and so weird and like whatever is because the police obviously bribed her with chocolate this girl loves chocolate so it's the chocolate i mean that's why her stories are so crazy oh my gosh have you ever loved something that much no no I mean, it's like the Twinkie defense. It's just like so ridiculous. It's just like, no, she is just the chocolate, you know, and, you know, and that was just like their whole plan for getting her off for murder. She was found guilty and she was sentenced to be hanged in three months. She showed no emotion, just calmly asked for an appeal. Her appeal was granted after her new lawyer. Um, she did hire somebody else. <laughs> said that her initial statements were made under coercion, not chocolate. Um, oh, which and is- also, I referenced the Constitution. <laughs> I yeah. forgot she's from Canada. Uh-huh. So I don't know what the difference the is. Parliamentary documents? Whatever that is. I don't know. So he was like, look, that's why they didn't match up. She was being coerced. They're putting words into her mouth. And also, when she was being questioned, she was under arrest for vagrancy, not murder. So those statements are inadmissible in the murder case. Genius. A genius. Really? Like, this is why you need a lawyer. He's like now the most famous lawyer in like Canada or whatever. Um, And it worked on January 17th. We have way famouser lawyers here. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Like everyone in the OJ Simpson case. I literally didn't even write his name. I probably should have. Nah, Um, he's a boy. That's not what this podcast is about. Lame. Except for Bill. Poor Bill. Poor Bill. (laughs) On January 17th, she was awarded a new trial in February. This one went a bit differently because all of her statements were inadmissible. And her mother decided to kind of pull back on her statements just a little bit, not to lie, but to make Evelyn seem like less of a murderer. (laughs) And 
she was found not guilty in this trial of the murder of John Dick. Listen, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. But remember, they found two bodies. So shortly after, she was on trial again for the murder of her baby. The defense was like, of course she didn't murder the child. She has a living child. Why don't she murder one and keep the other? It doesn't make any sense. Somebody call Belle Gunness. Check <laughs> yeah, it out. Really. Check it out. Uh, but the jury was not having it, and she was found guilty of manslaughter. Not murder, so she didn't get the death sentence, right. um, but it was manslaughter. So she was sentenced to life in prison. How is it not, like, preemptive, though, to, like, cement your baby? Uh, because all the preemptive stuff has to do, like, beforehand. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if she had... I mean, she knew she was pregnant and she told a guy that she was not going to... Ha- the baby well, was dead. That's the, very preemptive. Yeah. But the uh, the reason they didn't think it was preemptive was because she had, like, bought stuff for the baby. Okay, okay, okay. So okay, she okay, had okay, bought okay. a crib and clothes and whatever. So, like, they were like, it couldn't have been preemptive because of this. So okay. fair. she got manslaughter, but she did get life in prison. Hmm. So now it's time for Bill and Donald to go on trial because remember she implicated them. So they have to go on trial. And for th- murder. neither of them did this. Yeah. No, they did not. I feel like Donald was involved. That's her my, dad. Yeah. That's my Maybe. theory. Cause he's kind of crazy. And yeah, so we'll get Alexandra into that. Alexandra clearly knew, but didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. But Bill is an innocent bystander. He really is. I mean, when he went on trial for the murder of the baby, he was easily found not guilty because he literally didn't even know Evelyn at the time. He goes, I can prove that we met each other 13 months after she gave birth. Like, that's just not true. Um, and they're like, okay. And then... Then the trial did take a funny turn where, like, in this trial, they're, like, pointing out, like, how many sexual partners Evelyn had, according to her little black book, you know? And the defense lawyer even said, and you know whose name is on this? Your son, Mr. Judge. The judge's son was in the book, and he was like, uh, strike that from the record, please. Uh, uh, I don't want that getting out. He wouldn't be allowed to be the judge. They would he have to be. Yeah. That would be a mistrial. So, thankfully, that trial was thrown out anyways because there was literally no evidence connecting him. Good. Um, and then the trials for Donald and Bill were held together for the murder of John Dick. But the case kind of fell apart because Evelyn just refused to testify and she refused to lie in front of them about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a psychopath. And it was like one of those things where like, she was like, look, I'm not taking part of this. And then she was their only witness. (laughs) And she was the only witness to this picnic, this weird picnic in the middle of the night. (laughs) Um, and also John Dick had multiple witnesses saying that he was at the movies at the time. And like this girl was like, yeah, I know it was there. He was making me feel uncomfortable by flirting with me a whole bunch. So like, I'm not going to testify. He's a good guy, but I will say he was not a murderer. So that's good. Um, (laughs) listen. So Donald, her father, though, this is the interesting part. He accepts a kind of deal. He's like, look, I won't admit to murder, but I will admit to accessory to murder. And of course, embezzlement, because you guys definitely got me for that. (laughs) Um, And he is sentenced to five years for both, but he's allowed to serve those sentences concurrently. So he only gets five years. So for accessory. So he Mm -hmm. pretty much said that he... 
maybe help dispose of the body. Yeah. Okay. I think he must have because I just she feel comes home with a dead boy. I and think daddy she, is like, let me help you. Yeah. Cut this body up and yeah. put him in the furnace. And there was Got like, it. I didn't really go into this too much, but there was evidence found at like both of their houses. So her dad's house and her house. So I feel like he was definitely involved but I think she murdered him. Uh huh. And then he was just like, "Okay, baby girl, now we like, can I'll, fix this. I'll help you." Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So the theory is that they were going to burn the whole body, but when they got to the torso, they axed because there was a slash across the belly, and they accidentally severed the intestines, and it was like too messy, and they just gave up and wrapped the body up and took it out to the woods. No. What? What an idiotic. Thing. So dumb. Like just burn the poo. So I should have called the cocktail. Burn the poo. <laughs> um, yeah. So he accepts the deal, goes to jail, and Evelyn's last attempt to appeal her second murder conviction of her son did not go anywhere. But she wasn't having such a bad time in prison. She was really helpful to other inmates, and she acted as kind of a model prisoner. Um, she wasn't super popular with the other inmates like she would help some and she hung out with some of them like she was a baby she had some murderer friends. but not because of that because she was too snooty <laughs> too snooty for prison <laughs> too snooty for prison get out of the clink girl so she's in jail but at that time in canada you could apply for a program where from what i understand i may be explaining this wrong like your good behavior and work could count towards lowering your sentence but she's got life in prison. Yeah. Okay. But somehow she ended up taking part in this and she ended up being paroled and released from prison in 1958 after only serving 11 years. Oh my goodness gracious. 11 years. That's it. Yeah. For murdering two people. One being her newborn child. So she got out of jail, changed her name, started a new life. And she wouldn't even tell her daughter, Heather, her new identity. So her and Heather actually did meet up at some point when Heather was older and had a kid of her own. And she was like, okay, mom, like, tell me, like, give me your address. Give me your name. And she goes, nope. And she was like, I'm your daughter. You're not going to trust me. And Evelyn goes, I don't trust anyone. (laughs) She's like, including myself, because all I say is lies. Exactly. So for a long time, Evelyn became the alive Elvis of Canada. (laughs) Everyone had an Evelyn Dick sighting story, but probably none of them were really true. Mm. The only time she ever really popped up again was when she was granted a pardon in 1985, which I don't know why they pardoned her. I'm not really. That's a um, weird flex. It's a weird thing. Um, But other than that, Evelyn really became a true ghost. There was a TV movie released about the case called Torso, the Evelyn Dick story, a book Mm. written by Brian Valley, and a song by the band The Forgotten Rebels. But her legend really lives on in a schoolyard rhyme. Now, this one, (laughs) it'll become clear the joke at the end as Uh, I say uh, it. Okay, okay. okay, okay. So imagine jumping rope to this. Got it. You cut off his legs. You cut off his arms. You cut off his head. How could you miss his dick? How could you miss his dick? How could you miss his dick? (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. And that's the story of Evelyn Dick, the torso murderer. That is so (laughs) crazy. 
what a nut. I know. She's there was like a no redeeming characteristics about this woman not like a single one Mm -mm. Mm -mm. i also like don't know how she actually managed to live like a normal life afterwards no she i mean she like had a job that she loved and like people like that like pop back up like killing someone else like their next husband (laughs) like let me kill it was why i was a little like because there are many black widows to choose from uh-huh. uh, but her story was just so crazy that i was like i'm gonna choose her and like she is a black widow because she killed her husband but i feel like usually it's like they kill multiple ones oh, like yeah. um debbie from adam's family values um right. but <laughs> that's the bat debbie debbie <laughs> She's my i'm a ballerina one. barbie <laughs> i love her so much that is a perfect movie there is not one thing wrong with it i want to be honest there really isn't there really isn't debbie (laughs) also tony shalhoub is one of the sailors in the bar when she's about to kill fester and it's so good okay anyways so i think we need to talk about these two women in a little segment we like to call just the two of us I mean, where do you want to start comparing these women? It's like, it's a really interesting comparison because I think, you know, Black Widow is supposed to be like a bad guy gone good. And this woman is just like pure insane. Right. Um, I mean, I feel like we need to start with childhoods of like being in kind of dysfunctional families but it's funny because natasha was in a family that she thought was totally functional right and it wasn't and i kind of wonder if evelyn had the same thought of like oh no everyone's family is like this Mm -hmm. like everyone's parents fucking hate each other you know and how that creates a sense of isolation that really affects people it does and then you know as you grow up and even if you think your family's functional you start to realize your parents aren't perfect right like she's realizing her dad is stealing Mm -hmm. um the same way that natasha is like you know my dad is this russian spy agent man Mm -hmm. like there's so much going on and you kind of lose faith when you start to lose faith in your family it's much easier to lose faith in humanity no absolutely and i think the good like the redeeming factor of natasha is that even though like her like family life got kind of shaken up she still had positive relationships with them and it did give her that like faith that people can be good right you know whereas I just feel like Evelyn didn't have anyone positive to look to in her life, which is why like Natasha does have friends as an adult. She does have positive relationships and Evelyn just didn't. Evelyn seems very completely alone. It seems like her mom really isolated her as a child Mm -hmm. and like wanted her for herself because she wasn't completely happy in her marriage. But then that didn't give Evelyn a chance to like blossom and like, yeah, actually become she was too controlling for her to become her own person yeah it's almost as if like i mean you could compare evelyn's mom to like you know the russian red room spy Mm -hmm. organization or whatever that like wanted to create something that they couldn't do before so like alexandra is definitely trying to live out some unfulfilled fantasy through her daughter right you know but the fact of the matter is people no matter how much you try you can't force them Mm -hmm. to be what you exactly what you want them to be it's just it's not a real thing right you know and i feel like we see it kind of turn out in like 
a good way with like Natasha being an Avenger and the Black Widow and this like superhero. And then you have it really blow up in the McLean family's face when Evelyn obviously becomes a horrible person and a murderer. Right. I don't know. And also it seemed to me like they both had relationships with lots of men, but didn't need these men. Mm -hmm. Like you see black widow in the background of all these comics and they actually needed her to defeat these heroes Mm -hmm. and it seemed like like you said a lot of these boys are going out with her and she's paying for the date yeah um because she was using them instead of vice versa Mm -hmm. well and that's an interesting point too because it's kind of like who's holding the power in these relationships Mm. you know what i'm saying right like i feel like one of the problems probably with you know at the end of the day like black widow and evelyn is that like maybe the men that they're with kind of feel emasculated in a weird way. Right. And it's one thing in a group of superheroes when you literally have like the epitome of like masculine and strong and whatever. Right. Like maybe it's not as, um, not as uh, easy to make them feel emasculated, but like for Evelyn, it was like John felt like he was totally worthless. Right. He was like, you literally bought a house without me and didn't even tell me. Right. And like, almost didn't let me live here like what there's this really interesting scene in in one of the movies where like the avengers are having this party and like thor's hammers on the ground and they're all trying to pick it up because it's like a thing that you can only pick up the hammer if you're worthy mm-hmm. and all the boys you know yeah. the strongest guys in the universe are trying to pick up the hammer and thor's just like what it's like a paperweight and then they're like natasha you want to try and she's like that's not a question i need answered She's just so confident. She's like, I don't need to know whether I'm worthy to well, pick up that hammer. That's not a thing. They are both very confident. Yeah. Uh, not Evelyn a in a terrible way. Uh, right. It's not something I need. Like, I don't need to know if I can pick up that hammer. Right. And that's a funny thing because one of the big questions a lot of historians have is like, why did Evelyn marry John? Like, did he, did she just think he was like an easy target that would, that again, had money that didn't actually come to fruition. Like, I don't know. It's like a weird thing. Cause like, it almost seemed like, again, like she didn't exactly need to at the time, you know, mm. I don't, it's a very, like, it's a weird question. Cause again, she is a very confident person. So it's, and like, it was also really quick. Like, was she maybe like taken by him immediately and then kind of realized her mistake, you know, because she was a very like jumpy. She like yeah. jumped from guy to guy to guy to guy. So maybe yeah. like for, cause you said that engagement was like within a couple of months, like maybe she was yeah. taken for a bit or like, I also have like a little theory that like maybe she was pregnant again and wanted, wanted him to, to be marry, the dad. wanted him to be the dad, wanted to marry him, but maybe she had like Lost a really early baby. miscarriage or something. I don't know. Like there are a lot of reasons, but I do think we need to talk about babies. childbirth and children and babies. I absolutely agree. I think, you know, the idea of an organization sterilizing, like utilizing, taking young girls from their homes and utilizing them because they think they'll be good sleeper agents, which mm-hmm. is like an agent that you can put out anywhere and use them to you know, like infiltrate into places and snap your fingers and they're brainwashed. Yeah. It, you know, and saying that them getting pregnant is actually like dysfunctional to that organization is crazy in the same way that single women getting pregnant in the 1940s was dysfunctional Mm -hmm. to what culture thought was appropriate. Yeah. And it's also like, 
It's frustrating that it was almost like proved right in this sense. And they're like, she was not a fit mother. You know what mm. I'm saying? It, it feels like they could make the argument like, well, look at Evelyn Dick, a single mother gone wrong. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it's a little bit frustrating that it's like, God damn it. You know, it's like Natasha was a single mother. She went on a great job, you know, like <laughs> exactly. But it's like you fucked it up. And like now it's like this stereotype persists that mm-hmm. like this is not a good environment. And like <laughs> single mothers are murderers, yeah. you know, and I think it also like it's frustrating that. Natasha's ability to have children was like taken away from her and Evelyn just decided to like throw away her own children Mm. you know what I'm saying like that's frustrating because I can imagine someone like Natasha being like that is all I want oh yes you're just literally throwing it away right you know which is a hard argument to make um but it is an interesting one like I think it's one that people discuss because it is hard like when you're in a situation where I know like I have worked with women before who like were older and not married and didn't have kids and like somebody would be whining about like oh I had to get up in the middle of the night to take care of my baby and to them it's like god I wish I could get up in the middle of the night and right. take care of my baby. So, like, it's really hard. Yeah. Like, to make, like, blanket statements like that just because it's so personal and individual to every person. Yeah. And also, like, I don't want to be making an argument, too, that, like, you know, like, every woman who, like, wants to have a kid and can is also, like, looking at, like, people that have, like, abortions yeah. and, like, being like, that's not, a, like, Yeah, because that's hell? not true. Because that's not true either. Right. It's just, like, it's an interesting scenario to look at when it's someone who actively murdered, like you know, takes their baby and puts it in a cement box. You know right. what I'm saying? That's terrible. Yeah. But they're both also actually widows. Yeah. Which is something that I think we, we don't always attribute to, I think with human females, we often think about it as like, oh, they killed their husband making themselves a widow. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with Black Widow, the superhero, I never really thought of it like that, that right. she had been married and her husband died. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely didn't think about that. Like, and did her and Bruce Banner ever get married? Not in the MCU. So like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's just like a very lightly touched on that they had romantic feelings um, towards each other. But it's in the comic books. She was married to Alexi. Okay. Which in the Marvel Universe is her dad. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different. Okay. Um, But I think it's interesting that we even use the term like widow because like obviously like people are widows but it also forever cements yourself in relation to a spouse oh for sure you know for sure, and then for sure. it's like oh like she's a widow like mm-hmm. you know that's like widow jones or whatever yeah. and then it's like your whole identity is tied up in this relationship and you right. kind of lose yourself mm-hmm. um but i also feel like it's kind of runs the track for both of these women because I feel like their greatest enemy is their self in some points for Natasha, for reasons that are out of her control. Like she's brainwashed, right? That's not her fault that her brain was scrambled, but no. it's also her body. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it is herself. So like her enemy is within herself and Evelyn is totally her own worst enemy. She's right. just getting in her way From all the time. just running her own damn mouth. Like yeah. a little bit too much. <laughs> Calm down, my girl. Yeah, no, it, I think they both have a really interesting story and an interesting arc where 
they became so much the star of their own story in such a weird time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, Evelyn's in a really bad way. Like, she needed to calm the fuck down. Yes, she did. Like, take <laughs> ten chill pills, which she eventually did. Yeah. She got herself out of prison and chilled and lived the rest of her life as far as we know. Yeah. God, I would love to know what actually happened to her. So if anyone in Canada knows yeah. what happened to Evelyn Dick. Let us know. Let us know. I do also, on a final note, unless you have anything more, I love that she's just like, shut your damn mouth. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like that's what Scarlett Johansson wants to say in all these interviews. Yeah. Shut your damn mouth. Yeah. Stop asking about my cleavage in that scene. Yep. Like, that's a really inappropriate question to ask. Like, somebody who is a professional actor. She's not like, a, you know what I mean? Like, yep. well, first of all, it's not appropriate to ask anybody that question. No. But she's like doing a part. Yeah. She's at work. Like, it's so inappropriate. It's very inappropriate. And it's also frustrating because it's like, she's also not the wardrobe department. Yeah. Like, that's not her job. Like, that, don't fucking talk to her about that shit. Because, again, you're not asking the men these questions. And she doesn't like, control comic books. Like, that's no. how Black Widow dresses. I mean, and well, they made her a little cooler, like, yeah. later on. A little chill as the movies went on. Because, remember, the first Iron Man came out in, like, 2001 or something. Yeah. It's been... Two decades we've yeah. been watching this universe unfold. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny as I was watching um, Casey and I always do like a Treehouse of Horror Simpsons marathon oh my gosh. around Halloween. We did that. It's so Stoppy good. stop. And did you watch the Xena one? Where- <laughs> yes. Just recently. <laughs> the best part, is, like she's at like a Comic Con and <laughs> she's like, all right, I'll take questions from the crowd now. And it's Professor Fingers. Like, In episode 361, you did this, but like it clearly contradicts episode 624, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And she's like, anytime anything weird happens that doesn't make sense, a wizard did it. Because like she's like, I'm not Xena. I am Lucy Lawless. I'm not the writer. Actress. Like I didn't write this script. So she goes, a wizard did it. And he goes, but what it? A wizard did it. Just any time a wizard did it. Because like, it's and then not she flies my job. Away. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, Lucy Lawless. Zena doesn't fly. But, but Lucy, Lucy Lawless, Lawless does. does. <laughs> and then she marries Ron Swanson. I love it. Um, Perfect. But yeah, no, I think that's a great <laughs> note to end on. Lucy Lawless. <laughs> Lulu, Lucy Lawless flies. <laughs> Good Simpsons. Uh, All right. Are you ready to toast? I'm ready women? to toast. Allie, who would you like to toast this evening? I want to toast women that always back up their friends. Yeah. I think it's a really cool act, and I think that you can do it without being a sidekick. Yes. There's people like Robin, where it's always Batman and Robin, Mm -hmm. right? But Black Widow's not anybody's sidekick. She just, like, shows up where she's needed for her friends when they need her. Even when she's technically fighting against them, she's like, oh, this is your loved one who died. I'll be at the funeral. Yeah. Like, don't worry. I'm here for you. So. I like that a lot in her. So cheers cheers to backing up the people you care about. Mm -hmm. Who would you like to toast? Okay. It's hard because I don't want to toast Evelyn. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I will toast um, women who start over because obviously Evelyn did in some fashion. Mm. because if she did anything else like we would have known about it so like i do think there is some merit and some hope uh for people who like maybe think that they have like irrevocably fucked up their life you know like there are a ton of people we know who like get into a situation and it's like 
where do you go from here? You know, and it kind of right. seems like it's over. Um, like, no, start there over aren't tomorrow. Really murderers, but like, but appeal, appeal, appeal. If literally <laughs> Evelyn Dick <laughs> can start anew and live a full rest of her life, there is hope. Uh, as long as you're not a murderer, right? Uh, please don't murder anyone and murder then start anyone. anew. Just start anew with where you are. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. All right. What have you been doing in the past two weeks on pop culture? <laughs> okay. So I promoted this before, but it was before it came out. Ooh. So okay. I'm so ready. So before we got this email from the Bad Women podcast, the Ripper retold story. Ooh. And I just like talked yeah. about it because she wanted me to talk about it. Um, but now producer and I have been listening to it. <gasps> it is so good. The producer of this show uh, wrote a book called The Six a couple of years ago because. Six. She was like, everybody knows the name Jack the Ripper, but nobody actually knows the names of his victims, which are people we actually know who they are. So the book is about the backgrounds of each of the women. Uh, that's so, so cool. It is. So that's what the podcast is going into. And it's like, for it starts out by laying out, this is what we know about Jack the Ripper. This is what we know about the East End in London. And then it goes into each of the girls and where they were born and what they did uh, and this, that, and the other. And the one thing... What's the one thing we all know about Jack the Ripper? Who does he kill? He pulled their intestines out. Yeah, oh, but um, like like ladies of the night. Right. Like women of ill repute. Almost none of them are sex workers. Oh, my gosh. They were just like out late working. So for years, police officers were like, oh, she's a poor woman. She's a sex worker. Right. They're not. They weren't. So it's just it's so cool. And we've been listening it, to it together and like talking about it. It's only like maybe like halfway through. I don't know, because there's six women that we know he killed. Right. Um, but I'm really loving it because I, I am a little embarrassed because I'm like a professional woman podcaster and I did not know these women's names. And that's like the most famous serial killing of all time. Uh, I'm like a professional true crime person. Yeah. And I didn't know that we knew their names. Yeah. That's incredible. It is. It's so, I started on the way home. It's yeah, so it good. Will. It's so it professional. Great. And this woman sent us an email <laughs> to promo her show. Amazing. And now I feel like super cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do like the show. Like every time somebody gets me to promo something, I always like look into it. But I'm like, now I told producer about it. And then like he came home and he was like, oh yeah, I listened to all of it. Like on my <gasps> flight to. Oh, that's so great. Sower. So now we're like all caught up and waiting for next Tuesday to get a new episode. I love it. That so I would highly recommend you start it on the way home. You're going to be really mad. Cause like these ripperologists who are like men who study Jack the Ripper, like troll this girl on social media. And I'm sure they, they go do. to all her book events Ugh. and they're like, you're a liar. You're a liar. Like blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm just saying we should maybe look at the facts for a second. I have heard of this, like the Jack the Ripper, uh, world is a really intense world to get into. Mm-hmm. And the guys typically who think they know everything about Jack the Ripper are absolute assholes. Right. And this woman who wrote this book is a, um, a sex worker historian. So she had every motive for these women to be sex workers. And they're not. Oh, my God. So she wanted to write the book because that's what she does. That's incredible. And oh, not. my gosh. Ah. I can't wait to listen. <laughs> I can't wait to listen. It's called Bad Women, The Ripper Retold. The Ripper Retold. And they're only like 35-minute episodes. That's Ugh. great. That's perfect. Easy, easy listening. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I'm also going to promote a podcast, <laughs> Great. but it's just because Casey and I were literally on our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. So like 
we weren't you know we were watching like vacation rental cable yeah. um i mean that's i will say we did do. we did watch all the back to the futures which is pretty fun um which is funny because you were marty mcfly did for... you know i was gonna do that <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> again it was literally on cable and i'm looking at the delorean, DeLorean. right now on that's the wall so funny. it was just on cable that's... so we watched all three in one night <laughs> The craziest because I've never, other than when I was sexy Robin, I've never been a boy for Halloween. Oh, it was so great. So anyways, but again, other than watching cable, we were listening to podcasts as we were driving all over New England. Mm. So we listened to this podcast series called The Thing About Pam, and it is narrated by Keith Morrison, who is a lunatic, (laughs) and he is so funny about it because so it's about this murder and a false conviction and the woman who really did it and who is obviously Pam. (laughs) There's something about it's not that long. It's like I think like six or eight episodes, but the twists and turns it takes, it was like Case and I were literally in the car, like, oh my God. You were going (gasps) Exactly. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this woman? Like, it is, again, we're usually, aside from tonight, we're usually talking about what's right with women, but this is what's wrong. Like, Pam is insane. (laughs) So the thing about Pam, it was so fun, so fascinating, and it is so great just hearing Keith Morrison's voice. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, I like that. Yeah. So anyways, uh, the thing about Pam, it's really great. Good. I can't wait. I like, I always love getting like a new podcast because I catch up so quickly on, because I stay like week to week with the ones I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. So I just get caught up. I don't know. So. It's funny because I'm behind on a lot of my shows right now because We've I didn't want to listen to like busy. the things that I listen to alone with Casey. Yeah, you know, it's like you have to explain it. Yeah. The jokes aren't as funny. You're like, okay, well, this is a podcast where he says no gifts, but then people bring in gifts and it's really funny. You know, and he's like, I don't care about this. I like, don't want to know anything <laughs> about this podcast. Um, so, yeah. So rate and review us. Listen to us everywhere. Mm-hmm. We love you so much. You can mm-hmm. always get on Patreon and help us out. You get bonus apps. I put up pictures. Uh, I write some things. Yes. And soon. Lots of fun. We'll put up a picture of Allie and I at my wedding. We will. Because I got the pictures back yesterday. And they were so cute. (laughs) All right. Well, we love you. Please do all the things with us. Um, And Patreon, we'll see you in a second. Yeah. And don't remember, don't forget, (laughs) please remember, never forget, (laughs) that well-behaved women. Never celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving. No, they don't. And they rarely make history. Goodbye. Goodbye.